following podcast is work safe. We talk games. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Talk Games, episode 18, the monthly online audio magazine brought to you by We Talk Games Video Power Magazine. Just go to wetalkgames.com and become a member of our social media networking site hub. And don't forget our weekly focus articles, breakout bonus level minisodes that we bring to you week after week after week that hone in on relevant gaming related topics. And as We Talk Games rockets through our volume two iteration of our flagship show, I'm reminded that September 6th will mark the beginning of our fourth year as what some people deem the most creative video game podcasting of the ever. I am your host, Wiggly, in the booth, Keith LaPosh. Yo. Sitting to my left in a slightly disturbing pink beehive wig, T.T. Schmootkins. Hello, my name is T.T. Schmootkins, robot, glamour gal, on television star. And sitting to my right still on a pizza box because we're still in transition of moving to our new studio at the trapdoor mansions in an off the charts disturbing and nightmare inducing same type of pink beehive wig stinky the game master stinky hey yeah i gotta tell you about what what this is all about now uh get to that in a minute stink We have a very special episode of We Talk Game Plans. Our special guests, the creators of one of the most popular and successful games that has yet to be released, Edmund McMillan and Tommy Raffinus from Super Meat Boy fame will be on We Talk Games to talk Super Meat and much more. Plus, our cast of regulars, Kyle Von Kubik, Johnny Capcom, and Ouch will be on to talk about what they've been playing lately. Tupire will join us for a focus on PS3 and what he's been playing on that system as well. And the We Talk Games Council of Video Game Millionaires will be tackling the price of gaming. All right, now, Stink. Now, what's uh, what's this uh, outfit about? Yeah, you forgot to mention our yellow-flowered sundresses. I'm still trying to work past that blue eyeshadow and rouge. All right, well, anyway, T.T. and I were talking about it. And, you know... We've been trying to move into this new trapdoor mansion with our studio and everything else, trying to set up our accommodations. And at the old trapdoor chicken coop, we only really had one step. We call it upstairs. Because you'd go from a little thing, you'd step up four inches and you were in the upstairs. Now we have this elegant staircase with the wooden railing. It leads right to the front door. It's the double barn doors with the latches on them. It's true. We're quite fortunate. But that still doesn't explain the whole wigs and the sundresses and the shadow. Six o'clock shadow. I thought that this setting is perfect for a sitcom. <sighs> twin sisters. Twin sisters, huh? T.T. and I are twin sisters. And we live in a house. You know, we walk downstairs. Do all that type of thing. Hit it, Keith! Like dumb. 
Something in there sounded familiar. But, but now, I don't understand. Are you sisters or are you cousins? Oh, blah, 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 blah. That's not important. Here we go. Exterior shot. Cut to inside. TT's coming down the staircase. I'm walking in the barn doors. Hello, my twin sister. Stinky. Where have you been? Oh, I was just over at my friend Billy's house playing with Mr. Plimples. <laughs> and how is the hamster doing? Oh, well, that's the thing, see? Billy's ma tried to play a fast one on us. Evidently, Mr. Plimples died. Oh, I see. Then she went to the pet store and replaced it with a new Mr. Plimples. Oh, I see. Yeah, but then as it turns out, Mr. Plimples got sick all of a sudden, and the next thing you know, it's got a whole lot of babies, a little Mr. Plimples. It turned out to be Mrs. Plimples. Just like I'm going to have our baby? Oh, yeah, and all this week you have detention with Mrs. Ruthby. What? Why do I have detention? Well, I got in trouble and I said I was you. Why you? Oh, yeah, and I also told Frankie Fonstamaker that me, you, would go to the prom with him. Oh, no, not Frankie Fartmaker. Laugh, laugh, laugh. That reminds me, that new car you bought me turned out to be a lemon. Uh-oh. And our nosy neighbor, Ferris Stringle. Just dropped off her dog, Smoochie, for us to watch. Uh-oh. And also, our elderly relatives are stopping by to visit for a few days. Uh-oh. Oh, I'm starving. What's for dinner? Oh, I made your favorite, meatloaf. Ugh. It's like biting the side of a cow that just went through a wood chipper. Um, I don't understand. I did everything the recipe book called for. I baked it for 250 hours at 2 degrees. That's my identical cousin. Hey, where's Wiggly? Toilet flushing joke. It's great. Quite relevant 40 years ago. Now what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to be? Oh no! He must have got amnesia from getting hit on the head with a brick. I can fix it. Yikes. Oh. We better get out of here. Oh. I just wanted to do a nice relaxing show today. Then all this business. Well, I guess we better start. In fact, let's not start. Let's go. I sound like a robot, this must be the retro review part Because if it's from the 80s, you must sing like robot I love you What a jerk Alright, <clears throat> let me Let me regain my composure here Sorry everybody, I didn't expect to get hit with a bat When I sat down to record our episode of the We Talk Games Volume 2, Episode 18 Real quick, downloadable arcade gaming at home on the Wii, Arrow the Acrobat comes to your Super Nintendo on your virtual console. For the Nintendo 64, we got Mario Tennis. 
in WiiWare. Did you ever wish you could play the old Super Nintendo Genesis fighting title Balls? One of the first garage-shaded type of pseudo-polygonish fighting games online against your friends. Well, now you can't. Torabash is a new clean room connects like Balls fighter where you actually can rip your opponents in half and blood comes out of their Lego pieces and it's odd. Ten dollars will get you Torabash in. And lovers of H2O rejoice. Two aquatic-based titles. Ten dollar dive. You're diving for ancient artifacts for ten dollars. And Aqua Space, a more reasonable six dollars for a Wii Aquarium. But it's a Wii Aquarium where your little Mies can swim next to the fishies and you can also learn about fish. And it doesn't look half bad from the still shots. I haven't seen it in motion, though. And also, $10, a very poorly performing Hoop World, finally released. $1 a year of development. It's a hyper-basketball action type of arcade-style game. A basketball version of Power Stones. It looks like it's using the same technology that Power Stones used on the Dreamcast. And I'm sure Tommy Raffinus will have plenty to talk about with Hoop World and the company that developed it. Over on the Xbox, the first two releases for the five-pack of Summer Explosion game package thing-a-deals where you spend $75 and you get $15 back or something around there. Limbo and Hydro Thunder were released. Now, Limbo is just gorgeous. A very atmospheric boy and his blob without the blob, without color, in a nightmare-like environment. And it's an action-based puzzle game, and it's very nicely done. It's gorgeous, it's cinematic, it's atmospheric, and I think you'll really dig it. And as with all the Xbox arcade games, give it a demo, see what you think. Hydro Thunder, what do you really need to say about this? I think all of Midway Thunder games are pure, rudimentary, adrenaline arcade experiences. And Hydra Thunder just looks simply astonishing on the Xbox. It's as if you even had a modern arcade system in your home. And something about Hydra Thunder really makes you feel like you're racing these boats in a universal theme park. And if you could get past the NASCAR Pitman that's giving you <laughs> instructions and clues, it's a really fun racing game to play. Now, other games still to be released will be Guardian of Light, the new Lara Croft gimmick, Castlevania which Johnny Capcom turned me on to last episode, and Monday Night Combat as well. And if you buy all five of these games, you get 1,200 Microsoft points back. If you buy three of them, you get 400 Microsoft points. So, I don't know, $5, $15, somewhere around there, I think that's what those equal. Still haven't figured out that formula. I haven't unlocked that achievement. Destination Arcade also came out. Now, this is a free application for you to download. I recommend it. It is an arcade store browser. You can make recommendations to friends. And I've especially been enjoying these recommendation apps on my iPad, so I welcome it to any other console system as well. Death Spank, Kyle Von Kubik will be up shortly to talk about that. And I know a show a lot of my online friends watch is Deadliest Warrior. Well, now Deadliest Warrior the Game is available for $10, and you can try out a ninja versus a Spartan or two ninjas fighting each other or two Spartans fighting each other. And I guess it's based on the television show, Deadliest Warriors. As a fighting game, some people might be put off because it's a little more towards the realistic end of the fighting spectrum, like you get hit with a sword twice and you're dead. So in a lot of ways, it's sort of like Bushido Blade for the PlayStation 1, except that it's not first person. And that reminds me, that was a game where you could link two PlayStation 1 systems together and each television would have its own first person perspective of the sword fight. 
Risk also came out from Electronic Arts. This is a great way for you to play Risk with people all around the globe and on the moon. You can play it one to four, co-op, on the couch, and online two to five. And over on the PS3, of course, the big news is the new PlayStation Plus membership. We'll be talking about that with the council. We'll be talking about that with 2PyR. There's also a bunch of PS1 classic releases from the Disney Studios. And I only bring this up because if you're itching for a nice 2D action platformer that was surprisingly good, Hercules, and I think that that's one of the PS1 games that's going to really translate well to the PlayStation 3 and not make you have to squint when you're trying to look at these horrible Polygon games. Also released for the PlayStation 1 Classic, Motor Tune Grand Prix. Now, i got to tell you about this. This is a little confusing because I loved Motor Tune Grand Prix 2. But that was the Japanese version. This one is based on Motor Tune Grand Prix 2. So you may be able to experience the same type of sensations and feelings and love for this kart title that I have. Now, it, it moves a little slow in comparison to today's kart titles. And I'm sure to go back to those graphics now, you're going to have to put on your squinting glasses. But it's available. There's also a new Mars table for Zen Pinball. $2.50, you get the Mars table. If you listen to any of my other shows, then you'll get a great laugh after the Mars table because it comes complete with a fully rendered and fleshed out face on Mars. Exactly how conspiracy people would love the face on Mars to actually look if it was hit from all angles of sunlight. Although the problem with the face on Mars is that if you look at it from any other type of angle... There is absolutely no face. It was just simply a trick of the light. But this comes action-packed with all the sentient robots that live on Mars and the holographic images that they're able to project. But it has a lot of neat, cool little missions inside of the game. They're easy to understand. You get your ball scanned in certain areas of light by the Martian robots. You have a space shuttle that's up there visiting Mars, and you have to shoot the ball into an area where the robotic claw arm from your space shuttle will grab the ball and move it to a different area. And it has some really great lighting elements as well. So check it out, Mars Table. Hey, you know what? You gotta buy these tables when they come out. 250 How can you not? And speaking of pinball, the Pinball Amusement Park add-on content for pain, if you took the pain of downloading pain to begin with, $1.99 will give you their awful Pinball Amusement Park add-on. It's a 100K file. So right away, I knew, wait a minute, there is nothing on Pain that is going to be 100K. I downloaded the 100K file, I launched Pain, and what do you know, a 345 megabyte update is now necessary to launch your 100K file. Once you launch Pain, you get a very lackluster pinball table with slow Pain person ball physics. You're Pain person is now the ball, of course, but you're not even rolling around. You're just sort of floating around. There's a lot of targets. There's a lot of things that you could do on this table, but you just do it incredibly at a a snail's pace. And you're also able to oochable your person ball. But for $1.99, I think it's just about $1.99 too much. This should have been a free plugin. And that's it for downloadable arcading at home. Let's get Kyle on the line, Keith. From the bowels of New York. Kyle Von Cubic. What's going on? Hey. Big Bang 2010. <laughs> it's I know big. who's going to be there. It's a bang. Yeah, we will. Hey, hold on. The first week of August just became so hot, it's ready to explode! Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We talk games. Kyle, Wiggly, Atumwa. 
Big Bang 2010. All eyes will be on the Tumwa. As we talk games goes one-on-one with the universal singularity that started it all. Atumwa! The International Video Game Hall of Fame and Museum, Big Bang 2010! Atumwa! Do it! That was rad! Jurassic! That was completely Jurassic. Completely. Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this event. And I see a bunch of names who have appeared on our show. Yeah. It's pretty exciting. Edmund and Tommy? Yeah, no. They're on this this month's show. Oh, they are. That's, That's right. right. So they don't know about it yet because it's in the future. Exactly. I'm talking about Walter Day, Steve Wiebe, Billy Mitchell, Ralph Bear. I mean, These I guys can't... are going to be there. You know, Ralph made me do video Skype with him. I said, no, this is going to sound like terrible. And he insisted for... How do you fight with the uh, father of video games? You know, I noodled with it for like 20, 30 minutes. And uh, we had to go with it. So now I'll finally meet him in person again. I believe he said that I was a dork uh, of potsy proportions. He did not, not having a video camera. Uh, is that what he said? Really? I think I, he did. I believe that's he, what he said. I may have, you know, you may have embellished what he said, but, but he, he did call you out on that. He punched he you out. He did call me out that I did not have a video camera for <laughs> very uh, good for my skyping. Yeah, and uh, you know we're going in style. Uh, we are <laughs> mid-sized car. Who's yeah? What kind of car are we? In? What, what are we mid-size, going? Midsize, midsize. That's mid-size all. Midsize car. Can that's you a... believe that we're driving to Iowa? I can't. Well, the problem well, is the problem is, listeners, we couldn't get Kyle out of Iowa on a Sunday because you know everyone's in church, uh, sure. <laughs> punching cows and corns, and uh, we could not get you out at a reasonable rate. So yes. <laughs> we're actually going to hoof it. I'm going all the way for there. broke. <laughs> Yeah, 20 hours there, 20 hours back. I don't think it's going to be that long. <laughs> this guy hey. obeying the speed limits. Now, I know that we're all a little light on games this past month. And you know, i got to tell Not you. Not me! Oh, come on. All right, a little bit. Yeah, everyone, everyone's really been the... Hey, it's summer, man. Yeah, it's like the three-quarters end of summer or something. And sure. I know even a lot of our listeners are away and they're out on vacation and things like this. Things slow down on the internet around this time. But... What have but, you been playing? Hey, I talked about it last month, and I finally got it. Let's talk about the GP2X Wiz yeah. Mame Amiga console emulator. Right, because, and to tell you the truth, earlier today, we had the electricians over. I mean, we're still getting power to I finally now have all my delicate computer equipment and, and studio on a grounded outlet. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, so it took all day for that, and then, you know, we're sitting down here at night while I was waiting for the electrician to run out and buy special outlet boxes and and 20-amp breakers and whatnot. I I busted out my GP32X, which, of course, must be more powerful than the GP2. Yeah, (laughs) but, of course, no, the the 32X is not backlit at all. Uh, But I'll tell you what, you know, I have that one little... Memory card in there, I don't know, is it like uh, 52 megabytes or something? <laughs> They're the real slim ones. But I have a, a lot of stuff on there and a lot of first-party games that were coming out of Korea that are actually, you know, not bad. And even Pinball Dreams I remember paying for. But I, I got to play mine a little bit today. The screen needed a bit of cleaning, but uh, when that was done, 
as long as I was in a strong sunlight, it, it was awesome. It was great, even back then on that version. So how is this 2PX version 3 XXL exclamation point? I know a new version is coming out. I must boil yeah, you know what? There's a lot of these, um, I guess, Linux-based emulation devices out there, I found out, after buying this. Sure. But this is one of the more uh, mainstream ones. Of course, it's being offered uh, at Think Geek. We're an affiliate of them. Yep. So if you're if you're going to Think Geek, think We Talk Games first, and right. then go to Think Geek through our link. Yes, yeah, that helps through. us out. It does. Uh, that's what I did when I bought my GP2X Wiz Mame slash Amiga slash Console Emulator. Very good. We'll just call it the Wiz. We talked about it on that Bobble. You remember that Bobble with two yes, IR? Yes, of course. He had the uh, lighter version of the two. I, I, I went for the beefier one, and uh, it's great. It, it's it, it's exactly what you think it is. It's a handheld device that emulates uh, a lot of classic games. Uh, not without its, you know, traps. The system is almost—it's like maybe an eighth smaller than the bottom half of a Nintendo DS. There is touchscreen capabilities. Oh, There's right. a stylus. Saw that. So, you know, you can navigate the menus. I mean, you really can't emulate a DS on here, but there are some homebrew titles for it that you can actually use the stylus for. So that's kind of cool. Right. They're all pretty much games you've played before. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about the emulators on there. There's very specific emulators for this device. They're very easy to find on the web. But what I will say is make sure you read the hotkeys because the biggest trap you could fall into with the Wiz is shutting off the system while you're still in a game. You'll essentially wipe the firmware off of the unit. What? Yeah, and it will go back to 1970 for some reason. <laughs> I, I swear, for some reason, the, the internal clock goes back to 1970. Yeah, that must be um, on its so chip. Yeah. I was sweating this a lot. I was like, oh, man, what have I done? But it's a common error, and what you're going to have to do is get an SD card. Those are really cheap now. Sure. And uh, you're going to have to download the firmware again, load up, hit a, a button sequence. As you turn the system on, you'll reload the firmware and uh, you'll be okay. But that is the, that's the biggest trap you can fall into. Don't turn off the game until you return to the Wiz menu. Not even the emulator's menu. The Wiz's menu. The, the user interface. Or else you will wipe the system. Now, the emulation is, is great. I played my MAME on there. I played Amiga on there. I played my Nintendo, Super Nintendo. The thing is, there's a little bit of issues with each of those emulators. And I blame the emulators. I don't blame the system. Because <laughs> there's, a, there's actually a Quake mod for this. So you can actually play Quake on the Wiz. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the first games I usually try to port. Uh, right. I mean, that's bra- you can play that in the browser now, which yeah. is pretty impressive. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I do fault some of the emulation, but that's, you know, that's what you get with emulators. Sometimes they're, you know, they're only 80% or 75%. Sure. And what I found with the Super Nintendo emulation is that if it involves an FX chip, oh, yeah. some Mode 7, right. that's when frames are going to start to get dropped and it's going to look a little crummy. F-Zero was okay. Star Fox, not so much. Star Fox 2, nope. Well, you know what really, uh, what I used to love playing on early emulation, especially early em- emulation on my Macs, was the Bomberman Af- series on here. Oh, Bomberman. Yeah. Yeah, Bomberman's fun. I got that on there, too. You will need an SD card, though, because if you're going to do what I did, which is load up all of the available, all of the available emulators onto this thing. You're going to run out of disk space. Sure. So you're going to want to put your ROMs on an SD card. Like I said, SD cards are really cheap. You can get them at the Wiggly Mini Mall for not pennies, but 
for less than you would at a re- retail store. For so. dollars. For dollars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm enjoying it. It's got a great battery life. It's backlit. The screen's nice. The controls are kind of just too close together. The, we have the um, cross buttons on each side. So, you know, with the MAME games, that comes in handy if you want to tilt the screen and whatnot. Mm. As I'm holding the system, I'm feeling a little bit of that carpal tunnel kicking in, where it's just it's just too close and it's putting a little strain on the wrist. You have to hold it in a very particular way or else it bothers my hands. It probably doesn't bother everybody's hands, but it bothers me. Uh, so it's it, a little like the Wonder Swan in, in that you could turn it sideways and stuff. Right. In fact, yes, the the buttons, I mean, I guess the, like the DS has the buttons like that too, but the the ABXY buttons look more like a D-pad than they do on it looks more like a Wonder Swan. Gotcha. 150 bucks. Uh that's what it's going to rock you at thinkgeek.com. And now I'm going to ask you to hit that PlayStation 3 bumper. I don't do requests. All right, I forgot. All right, let's talk about uh Fat Princess. What? PlayStation 3. Oh, my. Hold on. PS3. Go ahead. What are we really talking about? No, we really are talking about Fat Princess, because DLC just dropped for this game. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Better late than never, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Wasn't that like uh, a, a launch title with the with the store? Yeah, I mean, it came out a year ago. Yeah, no, it, a it, little a little more than a year ago sure. at this point. Uh, DLC called Fatter Rolls or Fat Rolls. Uh, you know, play on words there. Wow! It has three new classes. You have a pirate, a ninja, and a giant. Wow! Yeah, I know. We're not. <laughs> what do you like better, pirates or ninjas? That's that's not played out by now. <laughs> no, but I like the fact that they threw a giant in there. The, the giant's can- cool, and you know why the giant's cool? No. Because you can eat people. Ah, very good. The only and thing I would, I, you know, I, that could be better is if they put like Wolfman and you know Dracula in there. Some vampires, Draculas, in there. or Wolfmans. That'd be cool. Is that what they call them? Draculas. The all yeah, these Draculas shows. and Wolfmans and Frankenstein. The Twilight shows. They say, "Hey, Draculas are in there." <laughs> I saw the commercials. Yes, Who do you want to exactly be, Draculas or Wolfmans? <laughs> That's how I'd run it. What team are you on? Uh, Draculas. And Wolfmans. And, and Wolfmans. Right. So anyway, this DLC. Wolfulas. What? Wolfulas. Well, oh, that's that's crossing the line <laughs> right there. That's a little too much. All right. So what about this Dracula plug-in for your fat <laughs> it's princess? Got, it's, it's five bucks on PSN. <laughs> okay. Hey, that's not bad. Yeah, that's the thing is I'm like, hey, I like this game a lot when it came out. I had a lot of fun. Five bucks. It's not breaking the wallet. Didn't you know, I pay five dollars for the game to begin with? I don't know. No, I think it was probably, like uh, twelve ninety nine or something yeah. like that when it came out. But um, you know, five bucks, sure. So I jumped back in. I was a pirate, and I was a ninja. I was a giant, and then I jumped back out. <laughs> it's pretty much that. And what it is is, I really enjoy this game. But I made the plea, you know, a year ago. I feel like it probably was a year ago at this point on this podcast. I want to play with my friends. Yeah. And it's just such a pain in the ass trying to play with your friends on PlayStation Three yeah. that. Uh, it kind of just takes the fun out of this game. This game would be a blast if I could play with even just two or three of my friends online. But because it's such a headache getting them all, like getting yeah. them connected, making sure our headsets are working correctly, <laughs> I just have to jump back out. So I, I jumped in with a bunch of strangers who didn't have, you know, mics. 
we weren't communicating and I did the same thing I did last time which was my own lone wolf sort of play in a 32 multiple player <laughs> deathmatch which right. doesn't make any sense you have all these people playing together but none of them are communicating none of them are uh, are playing together they're all doing their own things right. and it takes the legs out of, from under this game but I'm very shocked that after a year they would decide to I know they just released a game for the PSP a couple months back and I'm not going to complain about that because the PSP needs as many games as possible. Yeah. But, you know, DLC a year later, eh, if you have Fat Princess and you want to jump back in for an hour or two, that's what I did. Speaking of uh, PSP releases, how about, how about this TNA Wrestling finally coming out for the, the PSP and the Nintendo DS? Remember that game? Now no. the handheld versions are coming out. Yeah, I saw the commercial, and you it's, played this, it's still the kids in the blockbuster. And, you know, Kurt Angle wrestles uh, AJ Styles. They made a TNA, as the kids say, they made a TNA game? <laughs> yeah, a couple of years ago. But it, or I, DS. I, I, yeah. But I, yeah. Exactly. But I think it's so hilarious because Midway and Blockbuster, they're both out of business. <laughs> Man, kick them while they're down, Wiggly. Yeah. So, uh, did you so play Fat this Princess, now? Did you play it on the PSP? No, no, yeah, I, of course not. <laughs> I don't even know if it's really out yet. I just saw the commercial. I thought this is this is hilarious. Yeah, I guess the technology existed there, and somebody else picked it up. Then again, we're seeing Mortal Kombat come out, and that's you know Midway as well. But Midway's gone. Who knows? Yeah, that's Warner Brothers now. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Bugs Bunny is going to be. In He's going to be a playable character. <laughs> What else we got? Let's talk about Sam and Max some more, shall we? <laughs> okay, the Sam and Max show. I'm locked in. I, I bought everything <laughs> right. beforehand. Now so you have like to I talk about this. it get your money's worth. Yeah, so, I, you know, the last episode was Sam and Max, The Devil's Playhouse, Episode 3, They Stole Max's Brain. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's that's pretty much it. Did you pass and, uh, out? You know what I got to say? Of the three thus far, my least favorite. Uh-oh. And here's why. they. You might say, hey, Kyle, you know, we were only three games in. And but the they broke away from so good. The, yeah, though, that's the thing is they broke away from the formula that I liked. What they did in the first and second game was they introduced the premise, they introduced the mechanics of the game, and then we went to title screen. We come back, we play the game. Right. This game starts off, boom, title screen. Okay, throws me through a loop, but fine. Then it introduces a mechanic. Okay, and it's this um, interrogation mechanic where you go around and you beat up characters, hold them at gunpoint, and snarl at them. And, you know, you, you have to time it just right to say, oh, you're lying, and then they crack under the pressure. Okay, that's cool. I like the idea of this. But the fact of the matter was, for the first quarter of the game, you literally just went to the same five people back and forth and just went through dialogue trees. There was none of the other point-and-click elements to the game, which I just found really odd. Like It was just like they had the mechanic, but they didn't integrate it into the game, so they had it as its own separate thing. And then the next three-quarters of the game completely abandon this mechanic and just go back to your regular point-and-click adventure game. It was very strange, very disjointed. Like it absorbed another game. I I can only imagine that this is the third part in this episodic game and Super Mario Brothers 3. There you go. See? Yeah. How could I miss that? Uh, (laughs) It's the Super Mario Brothers 3 of Sam and Max. That's what I say. 
Yes, but nothing like that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's different than the than the rest. Sure, it's different, but it's not because it had. It, like I said, it's only the first quarter of this game. Mm. You're doing this. Yeah. Where you're not collecting items, you're not thinking about anything. You're basically just talking to the same four people over and over again until you get the right sequence down, and then boom, now you're playing a regular game or you're back into it. I would have liked this mechanic if it was integrated into the game instead of mm. its own separate entity. Gotcha. It just made everything else feel disjointed. The next half of the game was kind of this slow burn where I was just like kind of turned off to the game itself because I'm just like, well, what was that? And I didn't really like it. And then because it's they stole Max's brain, Max isn't with you. And instead, there's this Pharaoh's because you take a Pharaoh's brain and you implant it in Max. So then this Pharaoh's following you around as Max talking to you. Mm. Some of the voice acting was really irritating. I just wasn't digging it. But then the last quarter of the game, it kind of all fell together because now Max returns and the more annoying characters are no longer there. Now you're just playing the same game you've played in the last two episodes. I don't know why they strayed from the formula. The formula was working really well. And I would have liked this mechanic if it was integrated. It wasn't integrated. It was its own set. It was like a mini game before you got to play the game. And it just sort of fell flat with me. Gotcha. So if you're locked in like me... Episode 4 is coming up. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about a really big title for PSN. Okay. Let's talk about Death Spank. We'll <laughs> stay on this uh, LucasArts uh, theme and move right on to Death Spank with our boy Ron Gilbert. Has yet to be on the show. I've I tried see. many times. Ron, answer my emails. What's wrong, Ron? Maybe his wait? internet is down. Ron Gilbert's internet is Yeah. Down? Sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So have you played Death Spank? Uh not recently, no. Have you have you demoed it? I don't know even know what this is. Okay. Well this is It sounds cool. A lot of people say this is Monkey Island meets Diablo. Oh, okay. I say nay. No, you say no. I say this is, is Diablo meets Monkey Island. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is Diablo meets Zelda meets Monkey Island. Oh, okay. This is a hack-and-slash-adventure, very similar to Zelda in the way that it feels in your overworld. The mechanics, as far as collecting loot, is a lot like Diablo, and you mm. can map your weapons and items to the D-pad and the buttons. And the humor is very Monkey Island-esque. I see. Yeah, you know, we're still in the process of moving, and the, the internet, and the PlayStation, and the Xbox, and the phone. Are all offline. Yeah. <laughs> I had to hook up a modem to my Xbox. I mean, it's just, it's getting silly. I What I did is I stole the modem off my GameCon, non, okay. my GameCon, and shoved it in there. Didn't work. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't think that would work. <laughs> so tell me more about this Death Spanky. Hey, I find this game to be fun. It's got a $15 price tag, which a lot of people shudder. I don't think it's that big of a deal. You get in a full-fledged game, it's going to run between 8 and 12 hours. From what I understand, there is uh, 30 main quests and about 70 side quests. And I just got into this game. And this game is not doing anything I haven't seen before, but it does what I have seen before well, if that makes any sense. It's not bringing anything new to the table. It's just taking a lot of elements from games that I've liked in the past and putting them together in a nice, sweet package. Okay. You play Death Spank, you run around this overworld, you complete missions, and the main mission is one of these things, much like Zelda, where it's, I only need this one thing, but you're going to have to go to a million other places and help out millions of other people. <laughs> millions, to, you say? No, well, all right, dozens of different people. <laughs> okay. 
to get this one thing. I you know, see. it's never yeah. that easy. It's I need the feather. Well, I know where the feather is, but I need my fishing lures. And my fishing lures were captured by this goblin. Well, all right, I'll go get your tackle box. Well, I'll get you my uh-huh. tackle box, but there's no fishing lures inside. Try going over here. Right. Hey, I know where his fishing lures are, but you got to help me. I need a ladder. So you go and you find a ladder. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. that kind of game where you're running around and you're doing these little side quests. I like it. It's easy. It's very casual. It's very pick up and play, put down when you need to, and it saves uh, automatically. There's uh, trophies and there's um, achievements involved, and uh, you know I think it's a fun game. It's not everybody's cup of tea. Fifteen bucks might scare some people. They might want to wait and see if the price drops. But I'm saying if you like that type of game, if you like the Zelda Diablo type of game, you'll probably dig this, especially if you're a fan of the graphic adventures like Monkey Island with the quirky humor, because your hero is called Death Spank. I mean, it's, you know, your oddball comedy and, you know, lots of goofy dialogue trees, lots of funny things being said. I dig it. It's right up my alley. So I'm having a lot of fun. Question. Yes. When you go back to the game, is it easy for you to remember where you were at, what you needed to get, your quest, your goal? I would imagine so. Like I said, I'm pretty early into the game. I haven't completed it yet. But I, I'd imagine you'd know what the quests are. But it's not the situation where, I say this with the point-and-click adventure games, like once you play it, you're pretty much done with it forever. You're not going to go back. Maybe years from now you'll go back and play it again. This isn't a point-and-click adventure game. This is very much a hack-and-slash type of game. Uh-huh. And I'm sure there's different loots out there. It's very customizable now, and I'm very early in the game, with the few items that I've found. So I'm sure there's many items out there that you'll have to dig deep to get to. So there's lots of customization that's involved, and leveling up is involved. And, uh, involved. and there's uh, one thing is when you level up, you get these cards. You get three cards to choose from, and it fluctuates with your metrics. So you, you'll be more prone to magic, or you'll be better at defense and things like that. So I think there's many ways to play this game after it's done. And that's it. That's all I got. Hey, man, you know what? Hey, we've been promising this for a while now, and we're finally going to give it away on the air. Finally, it's the winner is yes. right now. Log in to win. All you got to do is log in to wetalkgames.com. Either you can create your own account or log in with one of your pre-existing social media networking logins like Yahoo, Google, Windows Live, OpenID, Twitter, Facebook. It's simple. It is simple. It's surely simple. It's uh, simple good. Yes, it is. So let us now turn to the We Talk Games social media networking login to win random disco winner generator. Of course, this was developed by the We Talk Games Committee for Podcast Conformity and Listener Integration, otherwise known as WetGap Flipleys. And of course, now we will be using their Witgism Min Littler Widwig. There goes our first attempt. John likes to call the Whitgism Min Littler Widwig the winner picker. Okay, here we go. Uh That little disco beat going on there. And... All right, the first winner, and this will be the winner of an Xbox game, is Drew! Hey! Congratulations, Drew. Congratulations. Drew. You logged in and you won. See, it's what just Xbox that simple. game did he win? Uh, Soul Calibur 4, brand new, sealed in the Very box. Nice. That's his game of choice. I made Voldo that up. Voldo is my but... favorite. Voldo, I love Voldo. He's my favorite. Voldo is your favorite, and this also has that green Muppet from uh, Star Wars. Oh, who can forget that green Muppet? Um, whatever German. his name is. 
Yeah, Kermit. That's right. Uh, now let us pick our second one here. Just fire up the old Whitgism Min Little Widwig. Sounds dangerous. <laughs> Whoa. Huh? You know, it's complete with a disco ball. Only as uh, you know, Rick team can bring it in. And the winner of the second now the second gift is a Nintendo DS XL Ultimate Travel Case. It's the ultimate one, brand ultimate. new by Authentic. Period. And the winner is Vision X. Derek I hope Kelly. you got a DSI Vision X. DSI XL, you mean? XL, yes. Well, now he now he has a reason bigger. to buy one. Well, even if he has just a regular DS, it gives him plenty of room to he play. He can put two of those in here. Sure. Sure, or just one of the original ones. Amazing. Right. Nice. One Congratulations. Of the, one of the original gray bricks. Yes. I still have mine. I still have mine. Do you? And, yes. And now, because we've been a little tardy on these login to wins, we actually I don't have feel two. feel tardy. Well, we actually have two special prize giveaways. Now, these are super secret, super special. Not even you know what they are. This uh, contest is stacked. It is stacked. And uh, the first one, they, both of them will yeah. be pieces of the Wiggly Video Game Museum. Actual video game pieces really? that existed on my shelf in the museum. And Amazing. let us let's uh, once again turn to the Whitgism Min Little or Wit. We rigged this contest for me to win. Well, we're not eligible. Here we go. Ah. Starter up here. Is it throwing something? What is? No, the disco. Oh, it's throwing disco at you. Be careful. And the lights. The, I'm going into an epileptic seizure from the strobe light here. Okay, and the winner. The winner is Nicholas E. Hey, Let's Nicholas see E. I've seen him on the the site. He logged in. That's why yeah, you saw him. That's how I saw him. And he is a winner of the VG Pocket portable gaming device, the Caplet. I don't even know what that is. It's a fast-acting caplet. It features, okay. uh, or as the French like to say, a la fiche. It uh-huh. features Space Invaders, Burger Time, plus 46 more games that wow. sort of look like games that you might have seen before, like Bust-A-Move, which is actually oh, Bust-A-Move. That like That's cool. So it's a 2.5-inch TFT color LCD screen, and it's backlit. It even has Sudoku Quiz, so how do you like that? And b- by the way, don't forget, at 4 46 Joach N Plus. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Winner of the caplet, pocket caplet. That's hardcore. And the final winner uh, on today's uh, winner episode. Here we go. The thing. We have to wait for this because of the randomness involved. Okay. At least it's shorter than TT. Yeah. Not much. Not by much. No. Right. And hopefully it's done now. And. There we are. Oh, hey, we mentioned this guy almost daily, Ricardo Milo. Hey, Ricardo, one of my favorite users. I love you all. Yes, we love all you, and Ricardo's no more special than any other, just a little more special. Because now he's a winner. He is a winner, and he's a winner of a special two-pack. Now, this is is something you cannot find in stores. A TurboGrafx-16 official bumper sticker Uh from NEC... The U.S. Wow. release of the Turbo Graphics and the incredibly limited edition Day Glow Splatterhouse Turbo Graphics CD sticker. That is history on a crack and peel adhesive. You do not get any more gaming than this show and these stickers. 
I'm speechless. Oh, hey, stick around for the council. It's coming up in about an hour and 20 minutes. Hang on. No. Bye. Bye. Kyle Von Kubik, looking forward to our road trip. The way I have it figured, after this road trip, we'll have all of our bobbles completed for 2011, which is great news. All right, Keith, you know what? Let's get right into the meat. Uh, what you got there, Stink? A giant horn? Yeah, it's falling at a World Cup thing that they had. They call it one of these a Vuvuzelas or something. All right, well, don't be blowing out on a show, okay? Big guests coming up. Open it up, Keith. USA Coast to Coast. Go! Santa Cruz, California, and Asheville, North Carolina. Now, uh, on the line, Edmund. Now, is it MC Millen, like your hip, or is it Edmund McMillan? Uh, I used to go by MC Millen back in the 80s, but now I go by the full McMillan. Now you go by Top Rockin' Edmund. Okay, very good. And Tommy, alternating syllabic, Raffinus. Yes. Of course, of Super Meat Boy fame. Super Meat Boy fame, yeah. Yes. That's us. That that are you. Very good. We'll get into that a little bit later. I like to ask nowadays, uh, we had Alex Noisy on the show from the BitTrip series, of course, and uh, I thought, hey, you know, BitTrip, it's been around for a little while. Uh, This must have been his breakout game. And here he's, you know, in the industry for like 35 years, 40 years. And, you know, he invented Pac-Man and Pong and uh, Mario and all these other games I didn't know. Uh, So it's weird that he would go from making making those games and then just decided to just do WiiWare games. Strange. Yeah. I guess, you know, I guess that's where the money's at. Uh, who knows? <laughs> uh, very good. But no, seriously, you know, he, he has been in an industry longer than I had thought. So uh, I'd like to find out a little bit of where both of you came from. Just a little bit of background. Gonna, I thought you were going to like improvise where we've, our backstory. <laughs> you know, I would have if I Interesting. Yeah, I, I would have if I hadn't worked with the electrician all day. And, you know, I know that you like Munsters, Edmund. So before the show, I was so pressed for time, I had a, a sandwich. It was a hot dog roll with some Munster cheese on it. And uh, we didn't even have mustard, so I had to put jelly on it. And uh, that's that's the story. That's, that's something. <laughs> that's it. All right. So, <laughs> so let's get, instead of that, my sandwiches, let's get into how you came into video. Let's start at the beginning. Embryonic, you come out, you look around. What type of video game systems are available to you as a youth? When I was, like, a fetus, I, um, I don't think any home consoles had come out yet. Um, but by the time I was five, I think an Atari came out. Okay. I, I had an Atari when I was six. I think it was a 2600. And that was my first console that I had. What were some of your favorite titles on there? Spider-Man? I, no, I didn't like Spider-Man. My cousins had Spider-Man. I was never like into Spider-Man. Anything oh. Spider-Man. Um, I, I liked the game Hero a lot. I like Jungle Hunt and Hero were like my favorite, my favorite Atari games. Very good, very good. I mean, I didn't have many, but uh, those were the ones that I liked. I got in at Pong, but then uh, as far as a game, a gaming console I could afford, I wasn't able to get one until I had a job in the, in the, like '83, and then I bought the Atari Fifty Two Hundred of all things. So, how about you, Tommy? What uh, what was your first gaming experiences? I had a uh, a Fairchild. Wow, Channel F. Yeah, Channel F. Fantastic. And we had 
a baseball game and a tank game, and they're basically the same because you could like shoot the baseball and curve it, and then you could shoot the tank and then curve the bullet. Yeah. So it was, it was basically all the same game. And then uh, I got a Nintendo when they came out, and then just got every system sort of after that, except for I didn't have a PlayStation One. Oh and wow! I didn't have I didn't have any of the Sega systems except for the Genesis. Okay. Did you have Blackjack for the Fairchild F? That was also popular. I think we did actually. We had we had quite a few games for that, but I like they were so horrible that I played it like maybe two or three times, and I was just like, "Yeah, this isn't fun." But then Mario came out, and then I was like, "Oh well, play Mario all the time, so that's good." Right on, right on. How about as far as working in the gaming industry? How did you break in there? How did you decide that you wanted to try this out? Did you work for a regular company first, or did you just break out on your own? I've been programming forever, like since I was 11. So when I quit college, like I didn't graduate, um, I quit college and I got a job doing server programming, web programming, database stuff. Okay. And I was doing that, and I liked it. But I used I would work like a whole bunch, and all of my free time was basically working. And I always wanted to make video games, but I never, uh, you know, I, I never actually got the time to do it. And like I had a house and like a car and all this stuff. And uh, I, I lived in Charlotte here in North Carolina, and uh, I was constantly depressed because my my house was super huge and it was just me and my cat living in it. I see. And I had like a subscription to EGM and stuff like that. So I would always get like the gaming magazines and this one day I saw this article about the game that would become Twilight Princess and there was this little offset article about the fishing mini game in it mm-hmm. and it basically talked about how the programmer that did that, he did it in his spare time because he loved fishing. And when I read that, it kind of struck me because I'm like, what do I do in my spare time? And I'm like, oh, well, I do database stuff for NASCAR. And I want to blow my brains out. So also at that point, my friend had got a job at a company in uh, the Netherlands. He was doing art for one of their games or something. And they needed a network programmer for an Xbox Live game. So I was like, oh, well, I'll go do that. And I, I sold my house and my car, and I moved out to the Netherlands. And uh, that company was awful and horrible. They were, like, everything bad you hear about any video game company, like any video game crunch or anything. Mm-hmm. These guys not only did that, but they took it to a whole nother level of total Polishness. <laughs> so when I went there, I was network programmer. Then I moved into, like lead engine programmer and stuff like that and it was supposed to be an XBLA game and they pissed Microsoft off so bad that Microsoft just dropped them and nobody else would touch them and they basically blamed us and Mm. kind of treated all the employees like so uh, I just left and then I started making an indie game with uh, the designer of that game that worked at the company in in the Netherlands the company is streamlined, the game is Hoop World Okay. Uh, that their game finally came out after ten years of develop, literally wow. ten years of development. Um, came out this Monday and is doing horrible. So oh. that's good for them. So 
came back. I started making the game with uh, my friend Aubrey, who was the designer, or one of the designers on Hoop World, because he didn't actually design Hoop World. Like, they hired him as a designer, but whenever he would, like, suggest something, they would ignore it and then do mushrooms and suggest something else, like the, the high-ups of the company. <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, and then they'd blame Aubrey if it didn't work out. Yeah, it, was, it was great. We literally had meetings. They would bring us all in the conference room. Oh, okay, so we're going to redo this camera system. Me and uh, my, my brother, I won't say their names. Uh, I won't say their names, but me and my brother were doing mushrooms, and we decided this would be the best way to do the camera for Hoop World. Wow. And, like, literally this happened almost once a week, and it just never never worked out. So I left that. Me and Aubrey did our own thing. Aubrey actually ended up, he had to go take a job at uh, Splash Damage, where he works now. And he's, he's pretty happy doing what he's doing there. But I continued on the game that we made. It made it into the IGF in 2008, and it didn't win anything. But then, uh, yeah, like me and Edmund met up, and we decided to do Meat Boy, and I'm poor and I'm happy, so that's good. Good. Well, uh, hopefully that will all change uh, when you get in your your pennies. So I'll Uh, be poor and unhappy? (laughs) I hope not. Oh, I had heard a lot about the Netherlands, and of course that they crank out games and really demand a lot of their programs. Oh no, no, no! It is it is in no way. No, this is this is yeah. Don't take it as that because the Netherlands is actually a wonderful, wonderful place. They took and one of my friends that worked there. We both sort of had the title of engine programmer. He did more audio stuff, but mm-hmm. I did more like render stuff. I see. After I left, they put him through so much pressure. They were trying to get him to quit because in the Netherlands, if you get fired, they have to pay you a severance no matter what. So they were trying to get him to quit. So they were pressuring him so much that he went to a government paid like a psychiatrist or something. And the psychiatrist ordered that they pay him the severance for like double the amount of time that it would have been if they would have just fired him and paid him the severance because wow. they were putting him under so much pressure. So that gave him time to like look for another job. No, it's not in no way was it the Netherlands. It is literally that company. And it wasn't and the people that ran that company, they're not even Dutch. They're from Utah. They're they're Americans that went over there and just literally just took advantage of a lot of people's dreams and stuff. And My goodness. unfortunately they're out of business now, which oh. is a shame. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I mean, no, it was in no way the Netherlands. It was literally this company was just being really ish. Gotcha. So this is kind of a newer type of thing to you. I mean, you, you, of course, were put through the paces, but this game, which is taking on, I mean, it's becoming pretty big of a hit, I think, uh, is, is well, one of your first let's games. Hope. It's not even out yet, but. <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely has the buzz. Yeah, it's, it's got some buzz. And it's got a lot of YouTube. We're going to cash in those hits on YouTube soon. Yeah, you go. I'm going to buy a car. <laughs> <laughs> I release uh, videos on a, on a weekly basis. I had to stop doing YouTube ads because it's just it's just uh, silly. Do you do you cash in the actual hits on the video? You gotta cash in the hits. Oh, yeah, you that's can, where the money is, the views. You could do that? Oh, yeah. yeah, you click the button that says cash in. Yeah, and you just send you. You don't even need to put your to YouTube. Dear YouTube. I have 38 million views. Please send me a check. And then that goes through accounting, and then you get your money. Wow. It's the same as like asking Bill Gates for money. It's like Google's got the money, and they, they're holding it for you there. You just <laughs> yeah. got to cash in your, your views. and like, I, cash in, I cash in our hits. I didn't even tell Tommy this because I need the money. I cash okay. in the hits for the Super Meat Boy website. Oh, man. 
Yeah. Well, I needed the money. That's that's cool. I mean, I'm glad. Well, that that's just money in the bank, basically. That's yeah, that's some help development. So that's just tweet, tweet, and then yeah. You know, oh yeah, back. we we have a pretty a pretty uh, constant revenue stream from Twitter. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We have uh, 1,900 followers, so you know, do the math. My goodness. That's a that's a lot of money. I, that's like three bucks a click. Can you cash in your your Facebook? Well, we do. We do cash in our Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lower revenue stream for. Yeah, it's it, well, Facebook's more about your friends. Yeah, yeah, and not giving your mom your uh, username. <laughs> my mom has mine, and so does my. Uh, oh, she'll never hear this. My uh, crazy uh, <laughs> relative. Uh, <laughs> you'll see these like crazy comments that are confused and it's bewildered uh, comments like she's a fan of me boy on Facebook and she'll post and say great job Edmund even when it's something like we say that you know we didn't put it on PlayStation and that's the news and then she says great job Edmund I'm proud of you <laughs> I'm so proud of you <laughs> and, uh, yeah that's what happens when you open your your internet life out to your uh, family yeah family Definitely. How did you get your start in the in the gaming? Where I'm familiar with Gish because I picked it up as part of the Humble Indie Game Bundle. Oh, yes. I actually paid thirty dollars for the bundle. I didn't, I wasn't one of these <laughs> cheap skates with the two dollars and stuff like that. Well, thank you. Yes. I appreciate that. That um, yeah, the Humble Bundle money really saved both me and Tommy's ass uh, yeah. when it came to funding because we didn't have any money at that time and. I had just got my truck totaled and <laughs> everything's falling apart. But yeah, that came out of nowhere and uh, kind of saved us. So that's really cool. But I thought video games, working in video games would be impossible because, uh, you know, you always assume it's a team of people. And ever since I was pretty young, like freshman in high school, I knew I wanted to be an independent artist. I started making comics independently and self-publishing. Mm-hmm. Sure, I did that as well. And that's kind of how I got my start in I guess the mind frame of being independent and wanting to stay independent and just do whatever I wanted to do. I was pretty comfortable with living really poor and I grew up poor and it wasn't a big deal to have a lot of money. I didn't have anything that I really needed that I didn't already have. So I just basically would steal from Kinko's and make comics. And later on I started to do, I had my, I did like web design stuff and art and just like contract work and stuff like that on the side. I didn't even realize that you could be independent, an independent game developer. I had no idea how it worked. I thought it always took, you know, a big giant team and a lot of money and blah, 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 blah. I made the move from uh, comics to, like, web comics and interactive flash games and really basic stuff. That was, like, in 2000, uh, 99, 2000. Okay. Uh, so I started, I, I think I was the first known for a game called Dead Baby Dress Up, which was, like, a pretty popular flash game dress up doll thing. It was one of the first dress-up dolls, too. At least one yeah. of the first popular ones. <laughs> Way back in the day. And uh, that got on Newgrounds, which was just kind of starting out as well and, and gained popularity. And Newgrounds was one of the first sites that actually showed me that what independent games were, because Tom was the first person I knew, other than of course id, but you know, they got huge. Mm-hmm. That was doing online indie games. And he was doing them all himself. And they were pretty cool. And, and I met with Tom, and he kind of supported me he linked my website a lot and really got a lot of traffic to, to my website. And he started me out, basically, and got me really excited about you know the possibility of 
gaining a following on the internet and, and all that sort of stuff. And that's actually where I semi met Tommy because Tommy was doing similar stuff at a similar time. And this was, you know, how many, 10 years ago. No, tw- yeah, 10 years ago. Tommy had a site called Tommyism. And I knew him because he did this thing called, it was a flash game called like Nail Jesus to the Cross. Yes. And you throw like, uh, you throw nails and crucify him. Mm-hmm. And, and it has a 95 Metacritic score. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a popular one. Actually, we were both linked in the Newgrounds Network, like web ring thing. So we knew of each other then. And, uh, but then our paths, of course, crossed 10 years later or eight years later or whatever. And we started working together, but we didn't really know each other then. But that's how I started out. So there was a small community of like driven, I guess you could say, driven artists and programmers and whatever else who were really into the freedom of the internet and got really into just producing things independently. And, and back then you actually could make money off of, off of ads. And, uh, mm-hmm. I think we both were, right, Tommy? Yeah. yeah. I remember getting like my first check was like for two grand or something, and I thought, oh my god, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm 19 and I'm getting like a two grand check for like a two weeks worth of, of hits. Wow! And, yeah. uh, and it was like, whoa, this is crazy. And then the next check it was for five hundred dollars, <laughs> and then the next check was for two hundred dollars. Yeah, and that was that was right when the market just totally bombed, and it went from me thinking that, oh, well, here it is, and this is my career. You know, I'm going to do online entertainment, and. Uh, that's what I'm going to make money off of. But no, it that crashed hardcore. And then everything, all these websites just died off. Newgrounds, of course, stayed. I believe that's when I I had basically kind of given up, I think, by 2003. And uh, I said, okay, well, I can't do this. You know, I can't, I can't seem to make a living off of my art. Mm-hmm. So I got, I got a, bit, a bit depressed and decided, you know, if I'm going to make money, I need to get a real job. And I actually became an animal control officer for a year. So that was my career for a year. And then I got fired. It was a really horrible, horrible experience. And the people I worked with were horrible people. Similar to Tommy's situation, except life-threatening. Wow. Uh, it was horrible. It was this bizarre mob rule conspiracy weirdness where people are like, we went from like being owned by the SPCA to be owned by the county. And all these women that were higher up than me were like thinking that they were going to get fired. So to cover their asses, they were firing people higher up. They were basically getting higher ups in trouble and then getting them fired. Wow. And we went from like having seven people to having three people. And they tried to fire me and they conspired against each other to do that too. And then I kind of fought back and it got really, really, really bad. And they started setting me out on really dangerous like calls and like not responding to my my callbacks. It was bad. It was horrible. So I quit. Then they begged me to come back with more pay and then when I did come back once they find found somebody to replace me, they fired me. It was at that point where I had I had moved out. We had moved out of the room that me and my wife were, were living in and uh, moved up. And we thought, you know, we were doing better and then had to move back into that room and couldn't afford anything. And it was, it was, it was kind of depressing, but then it was just like it hit this realization that, you know, I'm being pushed back into what I was doing before. And I don't think I ever really tried hard enough. Like hmm. I was just doing the minimal amount of work. Um, to try to make it by, and if I'm gonna if I'm gonna attempt to make a living off this, I'm gonna try harder. So basically, I just sat down and started building a portfolio and contacting everybody I possibly could. And one of the people that I contacted was an independent video game studio called Chronic Logic, who happened to just be down the street from where I live. And uh, I went over and visited them, and they seemed pretty cool. They were making games called Bridge Builder. They were bridge building games, mm-hmm. and I had played them. I was familiar with the games. They were pretty cool. 
and they hired me on doing um, just doing basic artwork and like box art for their game and just really basic stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I think I was getting paid like four four hundred and fifty bucks a month uh, for that, which covered my most of the rent uh, at the room that I was renting. I think about two months in, I started getting really into video games, and um, at the time I was I was working on this game called. Weltling and a game called Serious Shy, and I was working on these games with uh, Tom Fult, who later went on to do Alien Hominid and, and everything else. Oh, okay. What happened basically was while I was working on that, I was thinking, okay, Serious Shy is going to be the first game that I'm going to put out, and I'm doing it with Tom, so that's really cool. And then around that time, he got really serious with Alien Hominid, and he's like, I can't work on any games anymore. You know, I need to focus on Alien Hominid. We're going to try to put it to, to console and everything else, and basically that was it and we had to stop development on it and I got kind of depressed again and I was like okay well I'm going to make up a new game and I'm going to pitch it to the Chronic Logic guys and I'm going to make it physics based because I know that you know Alex is really good with physics and that was Gish so I pitched, pitched Gish to him and we actually made it in like six months wow. and uh, it went on to win the grand prize at the Independent Games Festival in 2005 and that was basically kind of the start um, it was also the end because for me, my first game winning the grand prize at, at, at that time, the most prestigious independent festival that there was, was a bit of a, it was destructive. Because you were expected to, to top that. Yeah, how am I going to top that? It's like, well, at that point, it, it seemed impossible. And for two years, I didn't do anything. It was, it was impossible. Like, I couldn't make a better game than that game. I was very new to game design. I hadn't learned a great deal yet. So at that time, it's like I couldn't. I felt like that was a hurdle that I could never jump back over. Like I could not beat Gish, no matter how hard I tried. And for quite a few years, I would just kind of float it around and, and try to figure out what I was going to do. And I think I, I ended up getting in touch with uh, this kid named Florian Hensel, um, who programmed in Flash and started working on a game called Triacnid. It was like the sudden realization where I found like I could I could kind of trick my brain and, and, and force it in a new direction where I wasn't directly competing in my mind with Gish. I was competing with myself. Like I wanted to just push myself as an artist. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see if I could make games that were, I guess at the time I thought I, I wanted to make games that were emotionally impactful. Um, I wanted to make you know beautiful games. I wanted to make thought provoking games. I wanted to make games that, that I could express myself with in the same way that I did with my comics in the past. And uh, that was kind of like my new direction, and I thought, okay, you know, I can do this. And uh, since then, I just kind of churned out loads of, you know, flash games ranging from, you know, personal games, art games, to just fun, formulaic video game, arcade games, and uh, eventually hit Meat Boy and started working with Tommy. And then around that time, um, publishers were talking to me, and I thought, okay, well, this is time to prove my worth and Tommy was totally down with that and I know that he's the only person that I knew that, that could really kick ass uh, he's the best programmer that I've ever met so I said okay well let's do this and that was basically it that's about sums up my career wow how, how did you learn Flash initially because uh, you know it was kind of new when you were diving in macromedia yeah, I, um, I actually did learn Flash from school out of high school I got a scholarship to go to the Arts Academy in San Francisco which I went to for a week <laughs> Uh, I felt really out of place there, and they um, they said that the scholarship, like, there's some weird thing about maintaining a B average, um, and they needed money up front in order to secure, um, you know, my place in the school and blah, blah, blah. They wanted a couple grand, and my parents, you know, don't have money, and I didn't have money. So I said, I don't even like this place. I want to go home. 
so I just took the scholarships that I had and went to community college and spent money basically on video games and whatever else at the time. I took a, a class on Flash, Photoshop, and uh, Dreamweaver. And uh, I learned, I failed all those classes. I learned enough though to uh, basically go home. I think I, took, I went there for like maybe two weeks, learned enough, and then just didn't go back. At that point I was living at my grandma's and I was, my sleep schedule was actually worse than it is now where I was completely sleeping through the day and just up at night and getting very little sleep. I would do like sleep deprivation challenges on myself and see how many days I could stay up and just work. And I was pr pretty much obsessively working on projects then and, uh, and that's kind of where the Flash thing came from. It was just like a lot of trial and error. I still don't, I don't program in Flash, but I, I, I'm very fluent with uh, drawing in Flash and getting around in Flash. And gotcha. It's worked for a very long time. Yeah. I know all about that sleep deprivation, and except I did it with pastels and things like that in, in a pre-computer world. But, uh, yeah, I, I used to stay up a couple couple days in a row. In yeah, Meat I Boy... I can't do that anymore. I oh, can't do that at no. all anymore. Uh-uh. No. Now you, now you hallucinate and you... Flip <laughs> out. Yeah, I yeah. Cannot. I can stay up, but it's not good. No, it's not. That's definitely a young youngster's forte, I think. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Meat Boy. Now you are Meat Boy. You're in a world that is both a reflection of and a reaction to video games, and it's obvious that you're both uh, game enthusiasts. Actually, I have never played a video game. What? Ever. No. <laughs> I, I enjoy solitaire, and uh, I watch the World Series of Poker every night, even though I've never played poker. <laughs> well, I, I semi-believe you. Very good. Except that you told me that you had video games when you were young. So there you That was me lying before. I wanted to put it in. <laughs> He doesn't think cool. Yeah, and you yeah. just picked the Fairchild Channel F out of the blue. <laughs> yeah, well, I had Wikipedia up, and I was trying to search for something around the time when I was born. Right, right. And yeah. one of the most rare systems. Um, <laughs> there was also the the RCA Studio Pro. That was another one that was uh, sort of around that same time that did about as well. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, surprisingly, my pong games that I had—I had two pong games. I don't know why my dad bought two pong games, but they both had rifle or gun attachments to them, so you could play skeet and shoot at a light bulb and get a high score. That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. The first game that I remember ever playing was my dad had a handheld football game, and I had no idea how it worked or what it was that I played it. Oh, the Mattel game, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah, it was just like a football field with little uh, green lights that moved around on it. Yeah, the, the LEDs, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, that was it. I loved it, but I... Listen, I, I don't think I ever knew what was going on. I, I still play it, and I don't know. Am I supposed to be playing with two players? I have it on one player, but yet I'm both teams. When does it end? I don't know when it ends either. That's another thing. And, you know, there is someone that developed the iPod versions of those Mattel games, and I am not one for things that aren't built to take advantage of the, the time. No, yeah, you have some comments for this, Tommy, as well. But, uh, A few. Yeah. But, you know, I, like, I really enjoy games that were built for... From the ground up to use um, the interface that this thing has except i gotta tell you pac-man for the ipad is just amazing with swipe control but that notwithstanding um these mattel games for some reason feel like i'm playing those old games i don't know what it is about it but even without the sense of pushing down a button and and hearing like a click for some reason those games feel like i'm really playing it and i think it's because 
there really wasn't a D-pad. <laughs> maybe that's it. You know, maybe that's it. It's it's early game system, like you uh, compared it to the Tiger handhelds. Um, it's you know, it's an early game system, but it really feels like I'm playing. I can get out my plastic one, or I could play it on my iPod, and it and it works very well. But back to Super Meat Boy, uh, did you set out to do everything you loved about gaming, and then your own thing on top of it? I, I think it was more of like. A hey, we're going to make this game. We had something to base it off of because the Meat Boy prototype was out and we knew we're going to have a boy made of meat versus a fetus in a jar platforming his way through crazy levels. We knew there weren't going to be things that you killed. You know, your character was going to stay vulnerable and the princess was always going to be in another castle after every single level. That's great. Um, we knew, of course, we were going to make it. It is a straight parody of video games. I mean, it's an homage as well as a parody to everything we've experienced when we were young and uh but it goes a step further and actually tries to make it good you know rethink the formulas and really think about what we're doing and why and why games that are difficult are fun and why games that are difficult are frustrating and how to try to make that better try to try to re-envision the the, the mario formula and and break it down and see what works now in this current generation but the theme and in, in the, in the mindset from the beginning was how can we basically remake Mario to make kids that are like us, like if we were, you know, 12 or 13 again, mm-hmm. if Super Meat Boy came out, how can we get those kids to totally go crazy fanboy over this game? You know, in the same way that, you know, I would argue at school and middle school about how the Super Nintendo version of Mortal Kombat is better than the Genesis version because it looks better even though it doesn't have blood. Uh-huh. Spit. Yeah, it's like... You know, any anything like that. Like, if there's people in the schoolyard arguing over the versions of Meat Boy that they like more, or, you know, getting passionate about the game and getting really into it. Like, I remember there was a game called, like, Bloodstorm when I was young, too, which was, like, a playoff of Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. Which, to me, when I saw it, I thought, oh, my God, this is, like, the game for me. Like, it takes Mortal Kombat and goes even further with its, like, over-the-top crazy gore, and it's got, like, a Mega Man-esque formula where you kill guys and you get their abilities and it was just all the stuff stacked on it was a horrible game horrible game <laughs> but i love the way it looks i love the idea of it and it just seemed magical and i thought how cool it would be to try to create something that seems so i guess new and fresh and yet familiar and that was basically what we're going for it's like trying to recreate that mario field but with the current generation and this is an insanely ambitious thing to do to try to attempt to make something on the par with Mario like that's sure. insane like yeah. that's that is insane you don't do that because you're not going to be able to do it so this was a huge 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 challenge for us and I really think that we've done it and uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see how people react when it's out but this is by far the best thing I've ever worked on and the most fun thing I've ever worked on it's, I mean it's been a grueling year um, of crazy development and uh I'm very happy with it, and it's still getting better. Yeah, it draws on more than just Mario, though. I mean, uh, you know, an, an influence. Uh, not not to say that. Oh, it draws on everything. Oh, yeah. Sure. yeah. It, how did those it's, ideas um, come about? Like, did you think about well, what did I used to like? I'm mean, definitely I'm interested, of course, in the Ghouls and Ghosts aspect. Like, what version, first of all, of, of Ghouls and Ghosts or Ghosts and Goblins, whatever you want to call it? What version did you play and or remember? I played the hell out of um, the NES version. Okay. That was one of those, it was, it was the first real hardcore bragging rights games. I was never a really good video game player, um, mm. but my cousins and I would get a little competitive, and I remember 
we would always try to see how far we could get in that game. And there was so much mystery of what what, what was going to come next, you mm. know? Because back then there wasn't any spoilers. Like, you didn't know until right. you saw it yourself. You didn't really see what came after the part in Ghouls and Ghosts where those are the guys that sh- you from above. Like, you know those guys? Yeah. They're like beige. Uh, it was like a high-rise building part. Oh, um, right, right. And they, like, squat and crap on you. Oh, yeah, those pigs, those pigs, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was, like, uh, I think when I was little, I only got, like, one level past that. And that was, like, as far as I could get. But, you know, you hear all these rumors about the mysteries that, that await you. Because uh, the game was so difficult, you could never really get there. But there was also a thing, too, is, like, they created a lot of magic. There was just so many elements to old games that didn't hold your hand, you know, didn't tell you how to beat things, didn't tell you what to do. But we wanted to, like, pull from that, but also improve on it. The game was very fun back then, but Ghosts and Goblins is aggravatingly frustrating in so many different ways. I, yeah. I mean, the Super Nintendo version, when you had a double jump, that was even more frustrating. That was, the controls that, were so bad. Yeah, that was yeah. an insane version, no doubt about <laughs> yeah. it. And uh, so there's this thing, it's like, there was a reason why those old games were good, and I don't believe it's pure nostalgia. I believe it has a lot to do with what wasn't said to the player and the lack of hand-holding, the mystery involved, all that sort of stuff, too, as the industry progressed. And people started seeing as video games as just a money-making tool. You know, it's easy to just go, okay, well, everybody wants to beat, beat the game, so let's make it easier, you know, so people are more fulfilled because it's frustrating for people not to beat the game, so they make it easier, and they don't want anybody to get stuck, so they put really crazy instructions in that hold the player's hand through the whole experience and then they add addicting formulas in that are nothing to do with the game but something there that they put in so you can keep playing keep playing keep playing right even though there's nothing else to offer you and uh that's basically where we are now i think a lot of people are have grown tired of that and <laughs> looking for something that's legitimately challenging again and uh legitimately fun and compelling and not just blatantly addicting and empty which a lot of a lot of mainstream games have become that way. But back to the basic question of pulling from a lot of different games. Yeah, we, we pull from every you know, every game back in the in the early nineties was or the late eighties was go find your girlfriend. The damsel in distress uh, formula that everybody used that was just so cliche and and we, we try to touch on every cliche element of old video games as we possibly can to uh, try to sum up video games, I guess. Even when things got crazy gory and there was just gore for no reason in games, just because <laughs> that's like the game is incredibly gory, even though it's not really, you know, yeah. animated or obscene or anything, but it's just that kind of like out of the blue goriness, but it also it's, there's some thought behind it and the fact that you're playing as a, a very vulnerable character who's not killing anything and, uh, mm can't really touch anything without getting injured himself. Wow, it's like Little Nemo. Is it? <laughs> he, he was one of the first games that was on the NES where he, he didn't kill anyone. So it just... I, he, I thought he threw like, candies at things. Oh yeah, he did throw candies. Yeah, he did. He, yeah. Got on a, he got on a toad that crushed things. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, well. I was to eat the candy. Like, <laughs> whenever I would see him throwing the candy, I would be like, I want to eat that candy because... <laughs> I don't know why, but it just seemed really good. I think it reminded me, because at the grocery stores here, back around that time, you remember how it was, like, it was it was wrapped and it was, like, big in the center and then it had the two, like, wrapper things on the end of it? Sure. But yeah. it had these uh, chocolate mint things that were wrapped the exact same way, and I 
fucking love those. So I guess whenever I saw Nemo throwing those things, I'm like, oh, I'm chocolate milk things. <laughs> <laughs> now I can't. That's the cruel irony. They don't. This. You can have a little thing. They don't I have hard candies. Oh, I see. I see. Well, they make those ones that make you have diarrhea for uh, diabetics. Yeah, that's not that good. <laughs> that sounds good, Tommy. Why don't you do that? I don't know. It seems like, uh, I don't know, not my style. I ate a whole bag of those uh, diabetic ones because I, I was on a very, um, I was on a no sugar type of uh, mentality there for a while, a couple of years back. And mm-hmm. then I read the back. You know, my stomach started gurgling. I was like, what the? And I read the back and it says, a diuretic. Yeah, eat two only. I'm like, why would they put diarrhea pills in here instead of sugar? Because they hate diabetics. (laughs) Don't they? Don't they have anything that tastes like sugar instead of laxative? (laughs) Tommy, would you rather be able to eat sugar, or every time you eat anything, you got horrible diarrhea? I would like to have the diarrhea. There you go. You would eventually get. I hear you. I hear you complaining about the diarrhea. I think. Yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, complain or whatever. But see, like the diarrhea, it goes and then it passes. You know. I mean, it's always there. But it, but see, with like like this, like uh, you know, just like last night, like I took too much insulin, so my sugar went low, which means I had to eat some sugar, which meant it went high and then it went low again, and I felt like garbage, my and I slept a little too deep. That's weird. But yeah, if I had diarrhea, you know, sh- it out. Done. Uh, now, speaking of higher intellectual concepts, when Meat Boy does leave a little bit of himself behind, is, is that a metaphor for something? Is that is that life reflected? If you want to put metaphors in and, and pick things apart, then you're more than welcome to. But I'm not going to talk about any metaphor stuff for, for Meat Boy because it's just, uh, I don't want to snob up. The work for me. For me, every time Meat Boy leaves a trail of blood, it reminds me of a love that was long lost. And it reminds me of when I became a woman. <laughs> it, it, I think that that resonates with everyone, every man, no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, every sure. man becomes a woman. <laughs> Now, Tommy, what? Now you're the you're the main <laughs> yeah. you're you're mainly programming this, I guess. But I guess a lot of ideas come from you as well. What type of idea are you really proud of that you put into this title? I know the answer. What? What would you say my answer was? Replays. Yes, it's the best thing. <laughs> the, those do look awesome when you have all those meat men on screen there. Yeah. Now, yeah. is there meat men music that plays underneath? That would be something. No, they just. They make their own music with the pitter-patter of their bloody feet. I see. Oh, you know what? That's something I did want to ask you, not not to uh, cut you off there, but Edmund, I, I loved the music in Gish. How did that happen? Oh, in Gish? Yeah. That was by a stratosphere, which is like a, a break-off of Mr. Bungle. The touring basis for Mr. Bungle uh, made a stratosphere, and then he was just local to Santa Cruz, and we contacted him and said, hey... Uh, can we use some of your music for this game? And he said yes, and that was basically it. He did a few custom tracks, and that was basically the end of it. But really? uh, for me, for Super Meat Boy, the musician we got, his name is Danny Baranowski, and he's quite amazing. He's probably one of the, the well, he is. He's the best musician yeah, that I've ever worked with by far. Wow. 
Fantastic. And now, Tommy, you, did you create uh, the Tiger handheld uh, joke uh, app for the iPhone? I, I paid for that, by the way. Oh, thank uh, you. Yes. Yeah, me and Ed did that on a Saturday. Wow. And, yeah, we submitted <laughs> it on Sunday. Yeah. Now, how did you find the the uh, SDK for the iPhone? Uh, it's all right. Xcode is horrible, though. Okay, so what did you program that in? C++. C++. Okay. Oh, okay. Very good. I didn't use their Objective-C. Like, I, I I had, like, a core iPhone engine that did all the Objective-C stuff from a long time ago. And then, yeah, like, all of the gameplay and rendering and everything is all taken care of with, like, you know, C++ and OpenGL. Okay, cool, cool. I've read some of the reviews on there, and, uh, boy, it's, it's, it's amazing... Uh, well, you know, if you have YouTube, you you've already experienced the the internet mentality. Uh, yeah. But uh, I was like, don't don't you see that, that this is incredibly awesome because of of what it is uh, trying to not be. Reading those reviews was hilarious, and the the hilarious thing, the most funny thing that happened was Touch Arcade. Somebody in the forum actually did a serious review of it, and to me, it just further put my point. Like it just it just made it that much clearer that people on the app store will take anything. They will take anything because they're so starved for anything that's like anywhere near coherent, which Meat Boy wasn't. But because they're so starved, they did a full review. Like it, it was like a couple pages or something of this game, and they reviewed the graphics and they reviewed the sound. They gave it good marks for graphics. Wow. They gave it they gave it okay marks for gameplay, and it's like. This was a f- joke we made in a day to make fun of the App Store. Uh, like, again, to make fun of the App Store. And, yeah, it's like the people that just totally didn't get it were just like, oh, this is, why'd they waste all their time on this? We didn't waste any time on it. That's it great. was hilarious, and it was a nice break from development. And it was, like, right after GDC, so we were both stressed out. We needed something to get our minds off of it and something to something to do <laughs> and no, no. it made us like a thousand bucks that, that's great yeah i've had albums uh you know i've ha- i have albums in in uh, itunes music store and they've always been fair to me on that so i was i was wondering how how well they pay out on these apps the app store itself is it's honestly i was talking to a friend yesterday and he's kind of trying to de- determine what he's going to do he's kind of in an in-between point and he's like maybe i can make an iphone app that'll make me a lot of money i said well you could probably go to a casino and spend less money and your chances would be about the same of making the same amount of money. It's because like there's just so much on yeah. that store. Yeah. It's just it's just horrible. I'm like, yeah, now right now iPad games are doing well because there's not a lot of specific iPad games. Mm-hmm. That's going to change very sure. very soon. It's gonna be like the iPhone now. Definitely. The iPhone now isn't that lucrative. It does okay for some people, but ninety percent of the people are like it is not worth the time and effort put into it. If you get up into the top ten, you sell like ten thousand units a day. But you know, ten thousand units a day at a dollar, and then you're only in the top ten for three days. That's thirty grand over something that could have possibly taken you a year to develop. It's just not worth it. Right. And you can't price more than that unless you're like EA or somebody that can like really uh, market it out, like they did with Street Fighter, and they do. Well, EA didn't do Street Fighter, but you know, you yeah. know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. like the. The Assassin's Creeds and the Street Fighters and the and the Grand Theft Autos; those people can charge ten bucks 
because they can push their franchise that much more and people will just buy it. But an indie developer really can't get away with much more than that, at least not for an extended period of time, unless they make something totally, totally amazing that gets a ton of attention and has some real longevity. But I have yet to see an iPhone game that has any sort of like, you know, like you play Red Dead Redemption or something. You come back to that game. You know, you play Final Fantasy, you come back to Street Fighter. None of those, nothing like that will ever work on iPhone except with the exception of like puzzle games or something like that. Something that's specifically designed for the platform. Right, sure. And a lot of indie developers, they don't really want to make stuff like that. You know, they want to be creative. They want to make something new. And they kind of get into this weird loop where it's like, oh, well, there's no approval process. So that's obviously the best system to develop for and then they kind of like truncate their ideas and they compromise and then next thing you know they have controls on the screen and yeah. it's just like this just doesn't work it doesn't work you know right right when i was trying to get a little bit of backstory here i i did see your your speech there your your uh, presentation <laughs> unfortunately because i was going to ask if the next version of the Meat Boy for the iPod could have a barcode reader, and of course you, you mentioned about that, but I had I had the um, Power Rangers barcode tiger handheld. Barcode readers were like a huge sensation in Japan. There was like this one brand of noodles that sold out everywhere in supermarkets because people were scanning them into their Famicom systems. So I could not wait for something like this to come to the America. And uh, when it came to the America, uh, yeah. as I evidently call it, uh, yeah, the America. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I had to buy the first thing, and it was you know Power Rangers. I had that, and I was like, boy, this stinks. And uh, and that's about it. Yeah, and and then of course it was just a big flop because you know Americans don't want to go out and and buy pretzels and scan things. I guess to have yeah, video yeah, like, games. <laughs> I, I had I had one of those. There's a place, it was called McFrugal's here, and when, um, basically when stuff did horribly and they had overstocks of it, they would send it to this place. So you'd get like really cheap, weird and uh, there was this thing I picked up called the Barcode Battler and it was $5. Yeah, sure, sure. It, it was a huge thing and, uh, and it's one of those things I still don't understand exactly what I was doing in it. But I knew that when I scanned things in, it would give my guys certain powers, and then you fight. I think that's really a fantastic little idea. Little, you know, I'm I'm a big one for these other methods of interaction and stuff like that. So I latch on to we like to call them the lovable losers on this show, and I'll spend you know whole shows and we'll talk about the the game con or com, and yeah, no one even knows. There was something called. pretty awesome about the idea of. Any game that gets a player to take something from the real world, bring it into the game, and then that becomes part of the game is pretty cool. It's always a neat kind of experiment, and I and I, I appreciate that sort of stuff. I thought it was really cool when I was little, even though I didn't understand what I was doing. And uh, it just gives an extra element of exploration in the real world. You know what I mean? Like, you're now exploring in the real world for things, obscure lines, series of lines that you scan into this game and it does something and that's pretty neat um, even though it's dumb yes definitely <laughs> hey I'm getting tired of blowing my air horn over here Sneaky why don't you put that air horn up your ass and that'll that'll make it so he has to blow it twice I got a, I got a, I got a story about a kid that we called Stinky oh you do oh. yeah um, 
this kid used to pee his chair. <laughs> well, that's exactly what Stinky does. So that is, uh, uh, it was like a puddle. Um, Stinky would leave a, a puddle of urine in his chair every day. It was so strange, though, because it wasn't like, you know, he's peeing his pants. Like, this was second grade, okay? So we'll cut him a little flack here. You know, there's still booger eaters and everything else. But sure. this kid would pee his pants, but he wouldn't just like, oh, I'm peeing my pants. I have to go to the bathroom. He would just sit and then just fill it up. And it was one of those chairs that was plastic, you know? Oh, yeah, it had, had like a, a bucket in the bottom, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It had, had a scoop to it. So it would just basically fill up and then when he'd stand up and he would act like you know nothing happened there would just be you know a little bucket of in the left for everybody else and he of course stunk like urine so we called him stinky ah that's horribly cruel well stinky's real name is engelbert humperstink so that's why we get stinky from the the last name there understood yes very understood well, uh, on that note, and uh, a sour note it is, uh, two sour notes, by the way. You know, I'm going to have to have you guys back because we didn't even talk about what you're playing now outside of uh, programming and, and artworking it up for these uh, these new games. I know you're not playing the iPhone, most likely. But uh, we'll have to have you back after Super Meat Boy comes out and is a huge success and makes you superstars with Lamborghinis. That would be nice. My truck's totaled. Oh, well, there you go. Perfect. It's a perfect truck replacement. I've got a flat. I've got a, instead of a window, I have a tarp that goes over it. My wife has to get in the driver's side. Oh my. This is something when you're married, this is a complaint that comes up just so people are listening. When you get married and your truck gets totaled yes. and you can't open the other door, eventually your wife is going to start complaining about having to crawl in to the driver's side. Also, the tarp that goes... Yes. To, the tarp's credit, to the tarp's credit, it's a pretty nice tarp. It's gotten better. You haven't even seen the new one. It's very no. nice. It's very, really? very nice. Yeah, and the tape job. Yeah, but no, it's just something I guess the girls don't like. The guys are like totally cool with. Sure, yeah, Duke's a that hazard. Tape solves mostly every problem. Definitely. Except a marriage. You can't, unless you're duct taping your wife, like, mouth closed and her arms behind her back in the back room my goodness that's my other show we can't talk about that now oh bandage girl that fits right into there almost but not exactly hey guys thank you so very much edmund mcmillan uh, used to go by uh, mc mcmillan and dj jazzy jeff and tommy <laughs> thank you so very much for uh, tommy yes. raffinus thank you so very much for joining us on we talk games our humble little slice of heaven bye now oh, very nice Yeesh, my horn blowers are blown out. Freedom of expression, Stinky. Freedom of expression. Check out Team Meat at supermeatboy.com. It's a gorgeous, loving website. You will see why this game is generating such a buzz. And I hope it's very successful for both of them. Great guys. Real people, that's called, Stink. Real people. Hey, let's get your buddy on here. Keith, open it up for ouch. Youngstown, Ohio. It's uh, high in the middle, round on the sides. Hey, uh, ouch. Uh, once again, no warning from Keith about the yell. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You know, he 
He's been slacking a little bit lately. I heard that he didn't even help out. I had to, I had to open the mic, of course, on your last uh, stinky ouch episode. So he's uh, he's weird lately. He thinks he's under sound man union contract. or something. Yeah, sound man union contract, and uh, of course he's not. Don't touch it, Wiggly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm not allowed to touch it, and it costs him 175 dollars to push the button. <laughs> All right, but I better not say any more because you might cut us off. So, uh, hey, you know, I haven't talked to you on this show for a little while. I, I yeah. see you're very active on the We Talk Game social media networking boards there and indeed, making indeed. your own uh, your own uh, games that hurt. What's going on in your game world? Oh, not a lot. Took advantage of a sale. I actually have some new games because I was driving crazy from summer boredom. Hey, did you see that summer package they're offering on Xbox? It's like... Five games, and then you get a free... Yeah, yeah, you buy all their games in their uh, promotion there, and you get two games free, I think? If they're both 800, yeah. Yeah, it's like 15 bucks, I think. Right, right. Uh, Whatever many thousands of things that is. Yeah. I'm just going to send them pennies. Maybe that'll work. Uh, They're dumb, number one. (laughs) Number two, they stink. And number three, I want all those games. Even (laughs) the one that I don't really want. What is it like a fighting? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like or, um, a more generic Team Fortress Two. I think it was put, or how it looked at least. Yeah, that it, for some reason that next to the other games even looks interesting to me. So yeah, I um, give it a demo at least. And I'm really looking forward to that uh, Tomb Raider as well, which is uh, which hopefully is good. Which is weird saying in 2010. <laughs> I'm still trying to get through my Mac version. Yeah. <laughs> so wh- what free promotion thing did you take advantage of? The uh, big GameStop, you can have your opinion, I like them. They were having a buy two, use, get one free. So I was like, you know what, I'll buy into it, sure, why not? Yeah, I, I like when they offer that. Because you can get some good deals for used. Like, you get lucky and you get a newer one, and it's, you know, sure. it's 40 bucks, and then you're like, I can do with that. Yeah, because then basically you can work it out to get one game free. When you buy yeah, two. Yeah, the lowest one. But yeah, free game is our free games. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, if you consider it to be a more full price game, then you just saved money on two fairly decent titles. So Exactly. It's, it's not bad at all. Not bad at all. What did you pick up? The expensive one, uh, the uh, new Sin and Punishment star successor for the Wii there. Oh, okay. So so uh, that that came out, and I, that wasn't a download. That was one you actually bought on the shelves. I, that's something new to me. That's new. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. That's if good. You, for those of you not known with the Ascendant Punishment, you would have known about it first as a Japanese import for the N64. Yeah. And then it came out on the uh, virtual console for the Wii just as the N64 port. Right. But it's really hard to play mm. because it was built for the N64 wreck of a controller. Sure. <laughs> is that what you think? Yeah, it, you know, well, I wasn't you know, a fan well, you of look that. at it, and you know, yeah. you have three pods and two hands. What are you supposed where to do? I, yeah, where am I supposed to hold this thing? Yeah, it was always bizarre. But as soon as I got my Mario Kart pack-in controller from Japan, it was like two-color. I immediately had to go home and take apart my other two controllers that I owned and, you know, shove the green with the yellow and the yellow with the green and stuff like that. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that's the most fun I got out of those controllers, I think. Excellent. (laughs) So uh, how did this turn out? The sequel that's going to be bumped up in graphics and just made for the Wii, the next-gen consoles. Yes, yes. It's definitely enhanced for the Wii graphics. You're using the nunchuck and the control stick to move your physical character around. And then with the Wii remote, you're using it to point at where you want to shoot. 
So it works pretty good. It's basically one of those uh, bullet hell games where there's stuff coming at you all the time and you have to dodge also skillfully. Oh, okay. I'm only two stages in, but it is fun from what I've played. It's like, you know, your fast-paced arcade. You're shooting everything up, which it's adventure at the same time. Mm -hmm. You have different strategies for your bosses sometimes. Like, one boss, it's very near the beginning. Like, he takes all these different forms. You beat the forms, and then he turns into these um, blocks that, like, separate. You shoot the blocks out, but if you don't shoot them in time, they reform again into a new creature. It's like Yar's Revenge as a creature. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, is this anything like Bayonetta? Think more shooter on rails. Like, imagine more Panzer Dragoon Orta. Oh, okay. Hmm. Kind of, a, a little bit like that. Not necessarily like full 3D look around you. You're pretty much facing one direction all the time, but, you know, your viewpoint acts as if you're on this roller coaster throughout these stages and you're just shooting at stuff. Oh, okay. So is it? It's not a light zapper game, though. It, oh, you said you control it with the thumbstick and stuff. Okay. Yeah, All but right. I'm, you can use you know the classic controller or the Wii. You can't use the Wii zapper. It you is can. one of those shooting okay. games. Okay. All right. There's not a cross here on screen, though, is there? You have a small little rectangle, and you point oh, it around basically. Oh, so. okay, okay. You know, I, I got to tell you, the Wii actually does those not too bad. Like when they did Dead Space, and when they did uh, their version of Resident Evil, the House know, of the Dead Three. Yeah, the sequels to those; those weren't too bad. Well, the the Sega one wasn't as polished as, say, the Umbrella Chronicles. Right, Umbrella, right. Yeah, yeah, Umbrella. That was, that was one Umbr- of the first ones. Umbrella. <laughs> Umbrella. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, Umbrella. I'm gonna say that all night now. Umbrella. <laughs> it's a great game, Umbrella. You you <laughs> lift your umbrella up and down with the Wiimote. and it rains inside the umbrella, which uh, is ironic. Yes, and you know, but that I, now that I think of it, that was a Wario game. I think the umbrella stance. That's what it was. Oh, yo, smooth moves, nice. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, the Umbrella Chronicles. But then they came out with that version of the Resident Evil Four that was just an on-rail shooter and that looked great you know because mm-hmm. it could do that when it doesn't have to draw everything and calculate where you are and they put it on rail so right right okay that's interesting and my free game in this deal because it was nine bucks at the lowest tna impact <laughs> finally got that huh <laughs> yeah. yeah just in time for the ds and psp release i was just talking about that with kyle that it's amazing that the, that the handheld versions are now coming out for that game <laughs> wow timely aren't they they love the money <laughs> this is like the ridiculous kind of fun wrestling should be the only complaint i have about it is like it's story mode is like too wacky to be serious like yeah. there's this scene where your wrestler meets up with eric young and then this is when his weird you know all nervous kind of phase and the first thing he says is you smell like bananas mm-hmm what? <laughs> like, huh? And then, then they they do it in that still motion, like it's supposed to be photos, and it's just you know right, polygons right. Uh, being the photos. So the mannequin game. Yeah, it's weird. It's bizarre. I yeah. don't play it for that. That in ring game. Oh, it's pretty close to uh, Legends of Wrestling, isn't it? Yeah, can- yeah, I think so. Except the the problem with that same button that takes you out of the ring makes gives you a pin does another move does like 18 different things depending on where you are in time and space and i know exactly yeah. what you're talking about and you you go for a pin you're rolling out of the ring that type of thing <laughs> i've done that one too many times and i did not enjoy all the scrubs they have to face you know on in the story mode 
Right. I've seemingly have been in like 18 tag team matches and I'm still not champion somehow. I got there. I got there. But it, <laughs> it, they tried to keep it like a uh, serious type of story. But like you said, it, it's, there's a little too much wackiness. And and uh, having the talent as their own voice actors can sometimes work and sometimes not work so good. <laughs> well, hey, I'll play in that online mode. <laughs> Didn't that not work anymore? No, it does not. <laughs> Can't reach the server. <laughs> That's because the server is a dark room gathering dust right now. <laughs> it's right next to the Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe servers. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Midway, what happened? Yeah. Hey, you know, I wonder what these handheld versions are like. I mean, will they? Ha- I don't know what company took over and is releasing these. Maybe it's Warner. I'm not sure. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe there will be online capabilities for these handheld versions. Who, whoever plays the PSP <laughs> online against anyone. And, and if you have to enter 30 friend codes to do the, the D, I mean, how many people are really going to buy this for the DS? <laughs> Probably well, a lot. Didn't they... <laughs> Didn't they buy the SmackDown vs. Raw ones too, though? I I I don't know why why anyone would be buying for that that system anymore. The, that I mean, the wrestling game. I mean, so <laughs> you know, if they made it 2D, I would get it for the for those systems. Or if they made it like the Fire Pro series, those those worked very well on the handhelds for the Nintendo handhelds because it was a lot like the original Super Nintendo versions of Fire Pro, which wasn't half bad. And then when they got the better control mechanics after the sega saturn version then they married that to the game boy advance version and and whatnot so right right but uh, do i have such that. a story about fire pro uh, oh you do i do but it's not a happy one but oh, it's, a, okay. it's interesting at least was did you have it for saturn i got the uh, returns for the okay. playstation 2 all right well the saturn one if you ever want to hear sob stories you know, work on a whole roster for six months, seven months, and then put your Saturn memory card in a little bit crooked, everything's gone. <laughs> so I had two memory cards, and I saved characters on my internal memory. So I had, like, you know, my most important ones were also on my internal memory. And right. remember, this is Japanese, so, you know, I had to go through these Japanese. Does this mean save? Does that mean load? Which means delete. I, You know, I you really had to be you on your toes. You in the circle of saving when you can't read Japanese. <laughs> you, you really had to be on your toes so you didn't do the wrong thing. I had two memory. One memory card was just dedicated only to that game. So, yeah, I, I was... After I lost all my guys, I was, you know, very cautious after then. Okay, well, maybe we'll get into that uh, sob story some other time when we do sad gaming moments. Oh, okay, gotcha. So, uh, TNS will be a great episode. Yes, yeah, (laughs) depress everyone. Uh, That'll happen in the fall, I guess. That's when it's most depressing. So, what was the third title? The third title I got was the uh, Burnout Paradise game. Mm. This was the second game I got as a download for the PS3. Oh, okay. uh, I got got the disc for the PS3 there. Gotcha. I really enjoy that title. You know, it is fun. I will give it that. I mean, it is a solid racing game. But I pointed out on the boards, it's like, did they take away crash mode? I can't figure it out. And then uh, Drew pointed out, you have to hit the uh, L1 and R ones at the same time. Exactly. And then it's this crazy jump your car around, uh, try to accumulate all these points for destruction. Uh, and, and there's like a timer. Once you don't do some damage in a certain amount of time, then then you lose the, the – uh, then it's over. So it's, it is – 
The thing is, that's a catch-22, because now I'm not going to do any race, any challenge. I'm just going to be like, hit it, crash, boom, and then I'm just flipping. Yeah, like I mentioned on there, I I often hit it by accident, and then I don't want to just abort it. I want to, because you can hit another combination, and it takes you out of it. But yeah, I um, almost had a 200 combination for once on that one. You can get them really high, and aim, aim for those buses. But oh, yeah. have you have you purchased any additional car packs like the uh, the classic car pack? It's you get the General the- Lee, you get uh, Knight Rider, you get the Back to the Future <laughs> car, and the Ghostbusters. And this is uh, the Legacy car pack, I believe it's called. And uh, whatever you do, don't buy the little midget racer things. They, <laughs> Isn't they, that just a wind up toy on the street? Well, they sound like more fun than they actually are. Uh, but right. I, I think you do like different types of objectives uh, and, and races depending on what, what kind of cars you have. So, uh, you know, maybe if you want to be a completist, you can buy everything. And I know they have like bundles and stuff. Right, but, right. Uh, I also bought that add in uh, island, which is just amazing. But like I mentioned about this game before, this is a very, very deep racing game. Like, if you have the time to learn the entire city, you can drive around it like a real city. Like, you drive around your home city. And then, you know, you can really do great at this title. But it's such a huge city that you have to play this constantly and just drive around, not trying to do complete missions. And then you learn all the shortcuts and things like this. Right, right. That's the one thing. When you do a race and it's from, you know, northeast to southwest and you lose, that's when you hit crash mode and just go, ah! Yeah, because that's a lot of time out of your gaming experience uh, that, that gets taken away. No mm-hmm. doubt about it. Too bad I can't go on to my real intersections and start races. You need a GPS. That's what you need. And I wish you could buy a GPS in this game and it would talk to you in the voice of Mr. T or something. <laughs> it's better than the map they have in there now. Last game I got, good old PSP fodder. It's called uh, Prinny, Can I Really Be the Hero? Wow, well, we need to hear about PSP games, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I think mine's been battery dead for two months now, I think. <laughs> I plug that thing in. It does drain the battery. Is it me, or is that like really drain battery fast? Or am yeah. I just playing the games too long? No, no, yeah. It's, it's sort of like an iPod, I think. I don't think they were going for that as a contemporary to their system, but, <laughs> I mean, I think that was just a battery technology at that time. Right, right. Uh, now, is this is this downloadable, or is this on one of those... Uh, um, yeah, you can, I think you can probably get it both. I know, they ha- I, they know, I know their store is pretty packed to the gills with games of it. Oh, good. Okay, imagine, like, an old-school platformer, like, Super Ghouls and Ghosts. And it is that difficult because you get 1,000 lives. And you will need those 1,000 lives. Wow. The basis is from the game, uh, This Guy Universe. You are essentially this evil demon penguin. And you like to say dude a lot. (laughs) Well, they spell it D-O-O-D, so, you know, it's charming in a way. (laughs) All right. So basically, you're you are under the command of this, you know, underworld demon princess or something to that extent, and she wants her dessert. And basically, it is your job to go find the ingredients you need throughout all the demon lands and whatnot. <laughs> the difficulty goes, you know, from kind of hard to hard to very hard. I you see. know what I mean? Yeah. It's a little uh, simple, like hack and slash, because that's your only attack. You don't get any like. Uh, 
tossing weapons like Sir Arthur and Ghouls and Ghosts or anything mm-hmm. like that. You basically have these two knives. You just start hitting the attack button, and you're just going back and forth like you're a Ginzu chef. And this is a penguin doing this. It, yes, evil demon penguin. <laughs> yes. Wow. It's interesting. Do you like it? It's not bad, but I know I wasn't going to be able to finish it because yeah. the, because it's so old school with the uh, old school frustration that goes along with it. I see. I'd have been like, okay, I've had enough of this. All right, man. Well, hey, that sounds uh, like you got some bargains there, and we finally heard about a PSP game. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> that It's been a couple months for that. So. Gotcha. All right, Pally. Well, I hope to talk to you soon, and I'll be seeing you on those We Talk Games social media networking community site. Indeed. Tell Stinky I said hi. Eh, uh, I will. <laughs> okay, bye. Goodbye. Good kid. Games that hurt. Games that hurt. All right, let's skip to my Lou. Let's uh, go to the London Bridge where she's falling down. Let's um, do ashes and ashes and all that type of good stuff. Open it up. Ireland. Go away! I hope I said that right. Yeah, a uh, gall. As in, you have a lot of gall. Like that. And then, way. Johnny Capcom, what what do we got? Kind of a mixed bag again because I'm still my life is still um have you know split across one tiny country. You're in transit and, just like we are here. Yes. Gotcha. Uh, half my stuff is back on the east coast and all of my, you know, being is here on the west coast. Right. So a little bit of trouble there, you know, but um you know, I've still managed to find time to play games and uh, a lot of them are on my ipod okay uh, i picked up a couple recently uh one was um i may have mentioned earlier or in the future was uh tomina center oh yeah sure that game that's just that's just fun you yeah. know one button wee wee action although they don't yeah. call they don't call it wee wee action on the ipod i don't think i think what the, that the fun is the genre of game that is <laughs> and what know? genre is that wacky that's the only way to describe it. You know, you're a businessman, you're running, yeah. you jump, you run into spacemen, and you dance. Dropkick uh, dinosaurs and turn over ambulances. And uh, you get, and I discovered this, uh, you get excited when a girl kisses you at one point. Uh, I don't recall that. Wow. Yeah, you have to get a great rating. You know uh, the way you get the good and for sure. your rhythm? Oh, you, the end part, yeah. Yeah, well, I got the great, great, yes, <laughs> yes, and he and uh, the man received a, a little smooch from this uh, girl in the game, and then walked away from her, bent over, holding his uh, midsection. <laughs> wow! And uh, but you know, you can also give uh, luchadors the back fist, and you can topple over Easter Island man. And oh, and how about just, those farting giraffes? Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Which. And the baseball, Godzilla's crazy, and you know it's just it's it's as if someone just got a bag of words and then threw them into a like a like a game maker program, right? And that that just kind of came out. Yes, you know? the Brian Eno songwriting method. Yeah, well, you know, and that's that's the good stuff, though. Sometimes you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I picked up Geometry Wars for the iPod. Okay. Yeah, I haven't picked that up because I like it on the other systems. I don't know how it's going to play on the on the iPod. Yeah, um, here's the thing, okay? It looks great, mm-hmm. and the frame rate on your iPod 
is the best frame rate of any game I've ever seen on. Wow. I mean, an amazing frame rate. It's just a pity that it doesn't control so well. Mm -hmm. And it's not that the controls themselves are very bad. It's just that they're not natural. I see. You know, you know the Robotron, the uh, mm. Smash B Twin Sticks. Sure, sure. But uh, it just doesn't quite work as well as it should. And your thumbs will hide fatal geoms. Your thumbs are there, and then a bunch mm. of geoms come out of the corner. Sure, and sure. You know they'll hide behind your thumb and kill you. Yeah, a game has to be built really from ground up to work with these special type of input devices. And that's why I said from the get-go, you know, sometimes you get by with it, sometimes you get lucky, of course. And, and some thumbsticks are better than the others. But, yeah, when, you, when you're trying to shoot and things are coming from all sides, yeah, there's going to be a problem there. Yeah. It's just so unfortunate that, that people can't just strip them down, you know, like you said, and build it from the ground up. Because, I mean, I guess there's not time to do stuff like that you know if you got a busy release schedule but when you really take it back to the basics uh, and i think a good example would be the wolfenstein game mm. i think that game controls pretty well you know that's because it was the control scheme was built again like you know admittedly mm -hmm. you move like a tank but <laughs> right uh, i picked up uh, and this is like the most basic game that uh, any system could be required to run outside of, I don't know, Connect the Dots or Pong or whatever. And it's a Battleship for your iPod. Mm -hmm. It's Battleship, but it's got some fancy graphics, and oh. it works. I guess you could play a Wi-Fi, right? That would completely work if you did a Wi-Fi. And can you yeah, also do, like, the handoff? Yeah, if you have one iPod, you can hand it around to everybody. Okay. The best way to play is through uh, Bluetooth. Oh, right, right, right. That's what I meant. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if I were down playing through Wi-Fi in a McDonald's here using their crappy Wi-Fi network, <laughs> and the game failed. But then we were using um, the Bluetooth, and it worked. You know, it worked really well. You can't really mess up Battleship. Very simple game. It's a quality port, I guess you could say. That makes perfect sense. It's great. I used to play it a lot on my Game Boy, the, just the Five Shades of Grey, and uh, that was a blast, even though you know we're tethered together with that cable, but that worked very well. So I can imagine this being wireless. This is going to be neat on a bus or something like that. Oh, yeah. Actually, uh, what's kind of tragic now that you talk about that link cable, mm. for a long time I didn't have any other games other than Tetris on my original Game Boy. And I always wanted those Mario games. Uh -huh. And I remember getting a link cable and linking two Game Boys together, and Mario appeared in the corner. <laughs> uh, you know, and I was like, "Oh, it's just like I have an actual Mario game. I, I am officially badass." <laughs> that is uh, that is depressing. Yeah, but you know, at least Tetris is fun. It's definitely the perfect game for that system. Oh, definitely, and. Uh, I'm surprised, like, at this point, babies aren't born with Tetris on their palms or something. It's just... <laughs> the other side of the coin, the bad frame rate, good control coin, would be... Um, I picked up Tomb Raider Legend recently, oh. which is a game from 2006. Now, I'm going to say this. I never liked those Tomb Raider games. Maybe I'm in a minority, but um, never liked them. Hmm. Uh, I, I always thought they, were, they made me feel lonely whenever I played them. You know, <laughs> you are uh, alone. Yeah, you are alone in a big environment. Yeah, and uh, I just it never clicked with me. You mm -hmm. know, uh, but this one, 
uh, for some reason, I wanted to give it a shot. I've been reading about it lately, and then I just went and picked it up, and it was only uh, it was six ninety nine. And the only bad thing about the game is the frame rate, hmm. which lags. You know, but it's a game from 2006, so you can't really complain. You know, especially the price I paid for it. But I will say, if you want to pick up a cheap, fun action game, well, go get it because <laughs> the controls are splendid. <laughs> it's not often I use the word "splendid" to describe anything, <laughs> but these indeed are. It's just it's all there. That's the only way I can describe it to you. Oh, great! Were you a fan of the original games, the uh, yeah, old Tomb Raider? Yeah, I, I followed them up to uh, you know the first one, the second one, and I started not really needing to get every single yearly release. I liked the first one a lot. I played most of the way through it. I never beat the game, uh, and then I played most of the way through the second one. And then when it went to the PlayStation Two, I might have picked up uh, one or two, and I never really played through them. I got it for the Mac when they came out for the Mac, and I once again played two or three levels. Oh, yeah, I remember that level. This happened. But I'll tell you what, I really am enjoying the look of that three-quarter overhead one that they're that they're bringing out shortly for yeah, yeah. You know, this, this summer release of the Xbox and, the, and the, the PlayStation. The Guardian of Light? That's close enough. I, you know, I never know the names of these things. Tomb Raider. <laughs> I guess Montezuma's your friend or somebody, something like Quetzalcoatl. I don't remember who, but some yeah. some ancient god. The curious thing about, of course, Tomb Raider, I remember being, was that people, for the first time, were like attracted to uh, the character that they were playing as. Definitely. And uh, I remember looking at the PlayStation version of uh, Lara and thinking, if you're attracted to this uh, representation of a woman, surely you'd be attracted to any pyramid. <laughs> Because it looked like a person made out of pyramids. Now, did you see it when it first came out, or did you see it years later when your eyes had adjusted to polygons? Oh, no. in the salad days, so to speak, in the uh, in the original run, I remember thinking that, you know? Okay. Even though I was never a fan of the games, the whole hysteria about the character was always interest. At the time, they used what was available in CG technology to make those cutscenes and stuff, so that was... You know that that's where it was a little more smoothed out, but yeah, you're right. It was it's a polygon mess, no doubt about it. <laughs> well, it's the same as Tekken, like you know. Oh yeah, everyone had hinges. Yeah, you know? <laughs> they, they were doing all these fluid mo- movements, but they looked like they've been whittled into existence. Nothing uh, shows that off more than Virtua Fighter, which preceded these by a couple years. So oh, yeah. That's incredibly uh, rudimentary, but, you know, gorgeous. I mean, it, it blows Tomb Raider away, no doubt about it. But that was an arcade game, so you expect more from that powerhouse. That original Virtua Fighter, not to be off topic or whatever, but I remember playing that, and uh, it was the first time I ever saw a video game character get drunk. Oh, okay. And I just thought, I just thought this is the future, you know? <laughs> This is personality to another level, like you know. That was, was in Virtua never... Fighter Two, though, right? Oh, okay. He's in the boat, wasn't he? In, in number two. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Just seeing the little drunk guy, and I was just like, just wow, <laughs> you know. Before that, all we got was like the closest to, to that I'd seen was like Sonic giving me a little bit of attitude when I wouldn't move him, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's waiting around impatiently. I played two more games this month. 
One, it's almost redundant to give it praise uh, because so many people have put it over, and that's, uh, you know, Plants vs. Zombies. Okay, sure. A million people before me have said it's great, and it is. Yeah. But I thought I'd say I like it too. (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. The only problem that I have with Plants vs. Zombies is that's one of the rare games that I played from start to finish the first time I played it. So I was up all night, and uh, and I finished it because I enjoyed myself so much uh, that I, I played it start to finish in the first night. How do I put it? There's again, if you go back to personality, mm-hmm. there's a lot of personality in that game. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's actually the first PopCab game I've ever played that I didn't think looked like crap. Oh, you know, you weren't a fan there's of Peggle. Game. Oh, I love Peggle, but okay. I think it kind of looks a bit garbagey. I see. You know? I see. Peggle, as far as gameplay is concerned, yeah. is just about perfect. But the art style of it, you know, can grate sometimes. Didn't I mean, I love the I love the pumpkin guy and uh-huh. you know. Stuff like that, but you know, it's just, it gets a, it gets a three out of five on the old uh, art scale. But uh, uh, Plants vs Zombies just looks astounding. Like you know, the yeah. the, the plants have plants have personality. <laughs> the zombies have like personality. The first time you see newspaper zombie, that's all I gotta say. <laughs> I mean, it's just so so cool, you know, just yep. so fun. Yep, and the football player and the track star, even the the big kind of. Um, I don't know how to describe him other than saying the Abdullah the Butcher Spud. That thing is just awesome. Like, you know, with his mean eyes, and then he gets really sad when you, when the zombies start to eat him. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, just, again, just fun up and down. And uh, the next game that I guess I'll talk about is kind of the complete opposite of that because everything, all the things, you know, all the game things, yeah, they're wrong. <laughs> all, all wrong. All all the game things are wrong. Okay. And, uh, you know the fun and the control and the urge not to blow your own head off. <laughs> they they were all gone because I played Sonic Unleashed. Oh. Uh, I I must point out I do not own the game I played. Uh, I just found one lying around here, and I have to say, how hard is it to make a fun Sonic game? Just how hard can it be? <laughs> well, if it's first person, I think it's probably pretty hard. Oh, I mean, I can't. I can't even get to the roof. I can't even describe how frustrating it is to look at this mess. You know. Now, what system was this for? The Xbox 360. Oh, okay. The cinematic at the beginning, I will say, it looks great. Mm-hmm. The game itself, again, is terrible. <laughs> they fleshed out a character that didn't need to be fleshed out. Yep. Nintendo never really made that mistake with Mario. Sure. You know, the closest we got was the Mario movie, and then they <laughs> disowned that. Yes. Even in Super Mario RPG, he's not really that complicated. It's everyone else is complicated. Mario just wants to jump on things and play. <laughs> right. Sure. And uh, Sonic, he was already just kind of this kind of silent badass character back in the day. On you know when he was mm. a two platformer. Sure. And then he had to have relationships with humans, uh, a bunch of different Sonic people, which I can only, just, uh, I guess they're his cousins or something. They came along and they wanted to join in. You know, then Tails, who was annoying enough when he was silent, he started to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they they elaborated on elaborated on something that didn't need to be elaborated on and ruined it. Yeah. And uh, Sonic Unleashed, it's like. 
All right, what was a fun Sonic game? It was Sonic just running, collecting coins, and beating Dr. Robotnik. Right, well, let's not do that, <laughs> and let's do the opposite of that, and let's make people hate themselves for spending money on us. <laughs> that's, that seems to be Sonic's team's thing. Yeah, what's have, going on with this, Sega? They're losing I, it. I have expected to see, look in the back of the game manual and to, sit, and to see director, lead designer, A. Hitler. You know, it's just... <laughs> My goodness! <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, but it's just I, I can't get it. How hard can it be? You yeah, know? yeah. I want them to do well, you know. Sure. I, re- I really want them to do well. Well, you know, everyone was very excited about the the Sonic that was going to come out for the Dreamcast. Uh, I definitely was, and when it came out, it looked great. Played okay, but the gameplay hasn't progressed at all from that Dreamcast version, which was which was just okay, and which actually turned a lot of people off to Sonic. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, like we version. all got in, we all kind of were amazed. I remember, I mean, like the Sonic Adventure was uh, was almost like the Dreamcast's like wow demo, mm-hmm. you know? Sure, it was like look at these graphics, look at the speed of this. And like for the sure enough, the first few times you play through that first level, you're you're with it. But then it's like you're kind of like, okay, why am I not able to move them? They can't get it right. And even they're even kind of screwing around a little bit with the physics of Sonic Four, you know, with the lock on and all that. But oh, right, right, right. I just hope that there's a just a button that you can jump and you don't lock on, because <laughs> the lock on system is in Sonic Unleashed, and uh, it stinks. I'd like them to see them just fix their wrongs and then maybe evolve from a new uh, starting point, so to speak. You know, sure. because they took too many wrong turns and now they're just on this hellish roundabout. They just need to get back on track because we all know how great Sonic the Hedgehog games can be. After playing this one, I know how bad they can be. So, Ugh, sorry. The only I, I, thing I'm worse, being very negative. That's okay, but the only thing worse, I guess, would be a 3D Sonic spinball. <laughs> Don't give them ideas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Hey, well, stick around for the console. Council. Oh, I apologize for being so negative. Hey, you know, sometimes you got to give a clear warning to our listeners as well. We we normally like to focus only on the positive, but every now and then we have to make sure that we warn people about things that they shouldn't uh, go down that road. Oh, especially if they need psychiatric care. Yes. <laughs> All right, pal. Well, stick around. Hold on. All right. Okay, bye. Bye. Not on my head, stink. That's very nice. Put someone in the head with a baseball hat. Fortunately, I have this uh, instant cold pack here. Just gonna put it on my goose egg. All right, guys, uh, let's open up for a council. Get in a better mood here. Try to get the dents out of my head. Open it up, Keith. All right, yes. Moving right along. Council of Video Game Millionaires online. Kyle von Kubik, are you there, Kyle? Of course. You're back. Thanks for yes. waiting. And Johnny Capcom. Mm-hmm. Thanks for waiting for the music to stop, and that's about it that you had to wait for. And that's that's good. Uh, that's a good thing. Uh, finally, we're back together. It's just the committee of three back online. The OGs. Yes. <laughs> the people on the T-shirts. That's what I like to call us. We are on shirts. <laughs> and the poster. And the poster. We, we really got to open this up. But you know what? The artists, uh, we ran out of money to pay them, so we, we can't fit everyone else on. That's a problem. Pro player tip, never give one of those posters to a girlfriend because you never know. 
<laughs> you might not get it back. Right on. Hey, today's, uh, today's episode, <laughs> today's question posed to the council is not really a question. This is, this is going to be one where we open the mics and we chit chat about a topic that I've been thinking of. And it's not necessarily because now I have to pinch and save and scrimp and save. Like, it, you know, we, we just moved into the new trapdoor mansions. And of course, the bills and the mortgages uh, all have hit already. Uh, we're not even in a full month. And the cycle of bills have begun to pile up. Like each morning now, I put on about four or five layers of dirty clothes. <laughs> and then I take a shower with that. And then that way I save on soap and on water. And Very good. Uh, yeah. The only problem is, is that, you know, if I wear all colors, I have to take a cold shower. And then, of course, when I wear the sheets and wrap them around my head and things like this and dress myself up like the mummy, when I use the bleach, it stings if it gets in your eyes a little bit. So pro player tip there, wear goggles when you have to bleach your clothes as you're taking a shower. A lot of tips making the round. Yes, these are that's what people tune in for, the pro player the tips. tips on We Talk Games. Yeah. I have a pro player tip. Oh, you do? Great. Shall I... Give my tip? Nah, keep it to yourself. All right, now moving on. I didn't know whether I was re-recording the beginning or the middle or just, you know. I'm leaving all that in, by the way. Here's a a a tip, okay? Oh, yes. Direct me. (laughs) I have a pro player tip. Be good at video games. All right. right. Try not to lose. (laughs) That more. Yeah. That's the the old rationalized. Try not to lose. Yeah. So the topic before the council, as I alluded to moments ago, is the price of gaming. Now it doesn't have to be monetary prices. Although uh, with the recent addition of the PlayStation Pro Player Member Service Area Guide, Uh, good wig into that. Wow. I mean, yikes. Has your game elevated? <laughs> my, That's all I, I keep saying. Elevate your game. I have taken my game to the next level. I, I definitely nice. have. I wanted to imagine, and I never got to imagine. I thought if I pay the money, I'll finally be able to imagine. But that's, that's how imagination works. That's that's not how, that's not what happened at all. Uh, now, how much is this thing? How much did I pay? Fifty a year, I believe. Yeah, fifty a year. Now, what's what's uh, the Microsoft? The same, I, I believe. So Sixty here, I think. Wow. So people are paying $110. I don't know how many how many that translates to in shekels, but they're paying large sums of money each year on top of buying the games, buying the game system. I think even on the PlayStation Network, you can go on installment plans or something, and it's more expensive. Who will be the first game company with their own branded credit card? Oh, I never even thought of that. Do you think that's on the horizon? I mean, I guess it could. Aren't we almost at the point where, like, I know Wendy's takes credit cards. They have, like, a credit card slider or something. I'm surprised they don't have their own Wendy's branded credit card. Do, do I know they, they got those World of Warcraft visas, but I believe that's just, you know, a picture of your orc or something like that. Right. Car. Sure, you know? sure. I can't see that not being a reality at some point. I mean, I know you can buy these gift cards and, geez, I was in the Rite Aid the other day and I saw gift cards for online games I never even heard of. I didn't even know there were online communities of this type. I can't even name them. It was like Backyard Poochies or something. And it had its own, <laughs> it had its own you know, gift card, just like the PlayStation Network does or Xbox Points. Or Are you seeing that 7-Eleven, too? You buy a Slurpee and you get a 
free item on one of these Facebook games with your mafia or your Farmville or exactly, exactly. So it's blowing up, but I've never. That's uh, you might have just broke a new uh, idea or theory (laughs) on We Talk Games because I've never heard anyone else talk about this idea of Mm. you know game companies putting out cards. Credit cards. Yeah, yeah. And why not? They, they can yeah, make money off that give interest. Give them horrible ideas to uh, <laughs> rake us over the coals more. Excellent. Well, let- I'd, I'd imagine if you had someone on credit like that, they're going to be loyal to you, I guess, whether they like it or not. And yeah. you, you know, obligation. you know, every 18-year-old gamer out there will take their card to the max. That's free <laughs> money. You know, yeah. the $1,000 credit limit, up. It's up there. Uh, over the limit fees, late fees. Wow, Microsoft number one in the stock market. <laughs> I can play Xbox and buy porn. I'm in. Uh, oh my! Don't we have to call it prawn on here? Oh well, anyway. I don't know. All my best bits get cut out of the show. <laughs> yes, but it's nothing new. Pouring loads and loads of money into video games. When the first video games came out, Pong, uh, pretty much you had an inclusive system. You bought the Sears four-player color Pong. It was all included. You had four paddles. It was color. It was Pong. That's all you plugged in. If you bought a Pong-style game, even ones that became like a lot more portable, they, they sort of looked like old army telephones, and this was supposed to be like a portable type of, of Pong device. I, I own one, and you could plug the gun into it, but it came with the gun. Mm. But as soon as ColecoVision came out and television came out, even, you know, the original Atari 2600, but definitely when the 5200 came out and uh, a lot of these other consoles came out, the ColecoVision had a steering wheel. The ColecoVision had a trackball. It had a lot of different other types of peripherals that you could plug in. So we're very used to this. And when the NES hit, I don't think there were more game companies and little startup companies like Pressman, like uh, all these Galoob. other... Galoob. Galoob. Don't forget Galoob. Uh, Bishu. All these companies that just built their companies around creating little gadgets that you would plug into this NES. Now, and to be honest with you, I purchased my original NES for Rob the Robot. I'm probably the only one. That's why I decided to go with the NES over the Master System at the time. Did because- you enjoy all his game... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, of course, like everyone else, I, I positioned him perfectly. He could see my television. He was ready to go. And, you know, I played uh, Gyromite like once or twice. I was like, is this supposed to be a two-player game? Why am I not having fun yet? Uh <laughs> And then he went on the shelf. But I still have all the parts and everything else. So Rob Rob is in a fine place on my shelf still. But he actually has a little pencil sharpener that can spin the tops. It's nothing new to have all these extra little things that to sink your money to, even outside of games. Here's a Pressman gimmick right here. The speed board. The fastest way to play on your Nintendo Entertainment System. All it is is a piece of plastic, it looks like an extended mouse pad, that has a little raised plastic area that says speedboard on it, and you stick your Nintendo controller wedged oh. in between two pieces of plastic. And this is supposed to allow you to play your controller like a keyboard. 
and how good did it work? <laughs> well, the kid on the back looks like he could use it on a He's couch, a blast. <laughs> on the floor, and on a table. And it says increase your game scores, better reaction time, and speed. So I guess it's just like the new PlayStation Power Pass to increase, improve your gaming. It improves it as much as that. Let's uh, tap. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> right, right, of course. So, uh, I mean, buying should have uh, marketed it as an uh, alternative, you know? To be like, you know, be a game punk. Don't hold your controller with your two hands, like square. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah be an individual. Be individualistic. <laughs> Everyone buy our thing. You know, the power glove was another thing that was uh, great for punching your friends with. Very expensive peripheral. Yes. You know, this this wasn't cheap. And uh, you know, a lot of people now they have their power gloves, but they don't have the erector set that you were supposed to put around your television uh, in order to sense where this thing was in, in space and time mm. uh, and, and the futuristic telephone that's uh, that's on the wrist area uh, that's always fun as well but I mean this is more than disposable income I think I think ever since the NES um, well even before because the Intellivision was not a, a cheap system uh, but you know these things I think are beyond disposable income at some point and sure. i'm very reminded of it today especially with the release of this playstation pass thing whatever plus. Now, now playstation plus that's it how could plus i forget pass. this giant yellow plus symbol that's by my gamer tag now it's it's horrible <laughs> um, it's a badge of honor i, I think playstation's we trying gotcha. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I think PlayStation's trying to do something. They're, they're giving away some free little mini games. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, you know, uh, d- different vendors have incentive to give away some of their titles, like, like the iPod games, free for a limited time and things like this. We see this even from big companies. Yeah, you hear that and- nonsense, too, of like, oh, you'll get to play betas, which are not betas, they're just demos earlier. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm just like, uh, really? That's... That's the draw with this. Well, I think they need to fix their front end before, you know, <laughs> worrying about charging people money. Or furthermore, uh, fix the fact that you and I, when we try to play PlayStation together, can't talk to one another yeah. because either my Bluetooth headset yeah. is clicking out or yours is. There's yeah. no, like, really bad connection. Well, we got to restart our game. We got to restart our game. You know, it, it takes yeah. you 20 minutes to. To be able to talk to one another in a game. That's what their concern should be, <laughs> not this, let's try to squeeze some more money out of our very limited group of people playing online together. Sure. But with this recent uh, pay-to-play development, I think we only have Microsoft to blame for this. Sure. Because they were the first ones who start charging for gold membership over their free silver membership. Right. And people complained about it in the beginning. I surely did. I only bought it because it went on sale for like, I don't know, $30 for a year. Well, sure, it is $30 for a year if you go in at a special coupon discount rate. But then when they recharge your credit card, you don't know when. Uh, maybe they sent out a message you know, to my Hotmail account, which I check every three years or something. Uh, <laughs> when they recharge you the next year, of course, there's no discount on that recharge. Right. So they, gotcha. they, got you, yeah, they got you in there and, you know, I use it all of like maybe two times, but 
they were the ones that did it, and people are willing to pay so that they can play certain titles against their friends, get early access to demos, get early access to certain movies, and even being able to purchase some games. I think some games you can only purchase with a gold membership, uh, you know, until like the next week or something. Right. People have only got themselves to blame if they don't like that. Because it seemed like, you know, I mean, that was a, a Wild West territory there for a while. Like, it was uh, online gaming for the uh, consoles. Like, mm-hmm. I guess Microsoft just kind of threw it out there and they're like, hey, pay for it. And people did, you know? Yep. If people had to turn around and walked with your wallet, so to speak, and not paid, well, then it, everything would be free, but, you know. And online gaming really blew up from that as well. I mean, they definitely should receive credit for building the first truly accessible online gaming experience. I mean, we've been playing online games on our computers. We, the Dreamcast had a modem you could play. I played Choo Choo Rocket online. You know, I, I loved playing that. A lot of people right. played, um, you know, their Fantasy Star and things like this. And uh, the other titles that were available for online play, I downloaded tons of creative wrestlers on fire pro wrestling on the dreamcast right that was niche though i mean on the like on the earlier consoles what microsoft did was they developed this user interface so it's like jump on hook up with all your friends play a game all together have fun and it's seamless there was no aggravation you paid money but you got something from it which the other two companies didn't really catch on to sure they're still struggling with it especially with nintendo well my gamecube (laughs) has internet access i don't know what you ever supposed to use that for but (laughs) it it had the port for something yeah i I saw it the other day when i was uh, unpacking my gamecube so you know the these this has been around for a while Perhaps Microsoft might have built on the World of Warcraft success as well. People willing to pay for that, and yep. I think. But I think you know we get a service out of it. There, there's no doubt about it. The Microsoft network works. You know. Yes. And and like you mentioned, it's zero config, instant gratification. But how much is the average person really paying to game nowadays? I mean, how much? How much are you spending on this now that we have these downloadable titles, especially with the geez, with the iPod and with the iPad and with um, DLC for existing games that you might have paid full price for, and with uh, all these independent developers with their smaller titles that are incredibly fun? How much money are we putting into this pastime that's just supposed to allow us to enjoy ourselves? Billions, I believe. Is what it was. I mean, it's it's outdrawing the uh, the film industry as far as money, like entertainment's concerned. Sure. With how much money they pull in? Sure, it, it's incredible. And it, what's funny is you're seeing it spread into all these different things. Like Facebook gaming is blowing up. I have zero interest in this. Sure, but there's huge money to be made. I mean, Trip Hawkins, uh, who's just on Interview Starcade, mm-hmm. was talking about how he's capitalizing, he's seizing the minute because that's where the money's at and then you have it on the portable devices and you have it on the home console gaming is everywhere and you have the hardcore gamers playing their fps's and then you got the moms doing the farmville on facebook you know Mm -hmm. so it's uh it really is becoming a a juggernaut money maker the gaming industry it's no surprise but what i think would be interesting to discuss is what other prices maybe not even monetary that uh we pay in Mm -hmm. gaming Sure, sure. Well, one thing I was going to say, there's more cheap content out there now than there would have been 10 years ago. Right, but don't you buy more of it now? 
more content for less means more people buying, you know? I mean, if you uh, if you own an iPod, like, you know, you can spend, like, five or six euros, get yourself, you know, a couple of games, and you can play them for days on end. The other day, I picked up a game for the Xbox that was, like, uh, was six ninety nine, and the, the last game I picked up before that was even cheaper, like, you know? Yeah. So, it, with the, I mean, like, these are traded and stuff, but that still counts, and there seems to be a bigger traded market than there was a couple of years ago. I mean, I mean when I was a kid, I remember a, a video shop closed down, and everybody in the town was in there trying to <laughs> buy up whatever games they could, because sure. it was the only time we'd ever seen them so cheap, you know? Sure, sure. Right. Well, you it's know, also opened the doors for the uh, the independents. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, the Bit Trip series with Alex Noisy, things like Pagel and um, Castle Crashers. These things might not have gotten the green light back in the days of you know the PlayStation and Saturn because it, it was just like, well, it's going to sit on the shelf. It's kind of a niche market. There's a lot of experimental things now. Games like Flower. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, we are spending a lot of money, but we all, we're also reaping the rewards as consumers of this industry of this entertainment right on but uh, i mentioned on a recent bobble that when i originally purchased my turbo graphics 16 i was pretty much able to keep up with the game releases for that system some months there would be two games that would come out uh, and you know that would be a little tight a little tight on the pocketbook back then but I, i would still try to keep up and i would play those games to completion how many games that you purchase now do you think that you complete? Twenty percent, if I'm lucky. Yeah, definitely. I I definitely don't haven't completed. And the last game I think I completed was Wolverine because <laughs> you know I wanted to get rid of it. You know, I was sure. like, I'm going to beat this because I want to I want to trade this in. Um, I, I I think I did beat a title recently. I just I can't recall what it was, but there's very few games I think I played at completion. How about you? Carl? I'm still chipping away at Fallout uh, Three and uh, Dragon Age because I'm I'm just I, especially now I'm like way busy mm-hmm. with work schedules, sure. and I find that I'm actually buying and completing the downloadable games a lot faster than I'm actually uh, completing the hard disk media games that mm-hmm. I'm buying. But that being said, I mean, I could jump into Fallout 3 right now and have a blast and go in for a couple hours. But um, just because of my work schedule alone, I can't complete even a quarter of the games that I buy per year. Sure, sure. Speaking towards the iPod games and the iPad games and, and some of the less expensive downloadable games, do you think that we buy more of these cheap games because we're not really getting our satisfaction from them and we like lose interest and think, oh, I'll buy this, maybe this will make me happy? Do, do you think any of that's a part of it or maybe not quite? With me, I'll, I'll spend... You know, you get those iTunes gift cards that are like in odd amounts, like 15, 20, <laughs> sure. you know, yeah. seven and a half. Yeah. You go get those. I mean, like I'll buy an album with one of them, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have five left over and then I'll go grab some games, you know, I'll buy three or four at a time. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like I'm buying substandard product. Like, you know, uh, I mean, I just for the last week I've been playing Drew Peggle on my iPod. And that's I mean, it was two thirty nine in uh, euros and it was i mean like obviously that game is awesome like yeah. you know, i didn't feel like i got ripped off at all i did beat that right. title that, that is a, a a recent title that i've beaten as well uh, and that was a, that was a lot of fun i even 
I got Pago for, you know, other systems just because I really enjoyed it and probably will work my way through to the end on other systems as well. Well, I think a lot of the games on these iDevices, because they're priced so low, was sort of like um, this buying candy mentality where it's it's not a lot of money, 99 cents, buck 99. If it's under $5, I think uh, mm-hmm. most of the time it's like whatever you derived out of it, whether you played it for a week, a month, uh, several months, it, you don't really feel, there's no buyer's regret. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you buy a $55 game and you didn't enjoy yourself and then you go to trade it back and you, you know, you only get like 20 bucks, I think the sting is, you know, hurts a little bit more because it's like, all right, I, I just wasted $55. You know, yeah. if I wasted 99 cents, eh, it's not that big of a deal. And I had fun with it for an hour. You know, it's yeah. like a pack of gum. That's what's great about it. Cause I mean, you could lose that money out your pocket and not really miss it. Everything adds up, obviously. You know, if my granny was listening to me, she'd be disgusted. You know, <laughs> sure. I'm not saving my pennies. But, like, uh, you know, I mean, it's a small amount of money. And, I mean, like, I recently picked up Tonema Center. Is that the yeah, game? Yeah, Tonema Center. Uh, yeah. yeah, I picked that up. It was like a, it was like a Euro. Yeah. Uh, it's a quick game. Obviously, not not a lot of depth to it. But, I mean, I had one Euro's worth of fun with it. Definitely. What are your thoughts on the online payment thing i mean we haven't really ever talked about it too much with the council think it's fair or do you think that it's a bad direction i think it's you know what people are willing to spend is what's going to drive the market or dictate what they're going to charge with all the people who log into world of warcraft every day obviously it's priced right because Mm -hmm. there's plenty of people even now joining that game and how old is that game now several years old sure sure so i i think it's definitely a case of uh economics capitalism in the works there's been many other mmos and they have not succeeded maybe it's because they're just not as deep maybe it's because they weren't first to the game but um Warcraft has definitely set up this this model of how to keep squeezing cash out of people over long periods of time. Here's my problem with it, though. Sony is like the Apple Store. I mean, Sony, Microsoft, they don't have downloadable content that they're not chipping away a percentage of the profit that gets passed on to the game developer that's releasing it. They don't just have their store open for free. They're getting money percentages off of every every sale that they make from there. Every movie, every movie rental. Netflix probably pays some sort of fee per user that logs in or maybe just a flat fee or something. But there's nothing that's that they're giving away for free on either the Xbox or the PlayStation. Let's look at Apple, for example. Their Apple store is doing fantastic, and they make money off of every artist. My money gets taken from Apple with sort of like a 50-50 type of split with every song that I sell in iTunes. So they make their money that way. It's sort of like, well, now maybe Apple. How would you feel if Apple wanted to start charging you a monthly fee as well? Well, that could... Well... It would suck. Crazy, really. Yeah, Yeah, that would would suck. (laughs) Yes, but could it happen? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. The other thing is with the with the online and all that. That's kind of a luxury in some respects. Like you know, I mean, with Apple, say like you buy your song and then whatever. If you're only downloading the game, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that's kind of a similar deal. Like you know, but I guess you're paying for a service. As far as uh, yeah, I mean, I think like iTunes is sort of just the the front end of the marketplace. You know, I don't think. 
charging for that. There's been other MP3 sites, I believe Rhapsody, where mm-hmm. you pay a flat rate and then you can download the t- you know sure. uh, so many songs a month or whatever it is. But then once you end that service, you lose those songs, and I think that's why a service like that has never really taken off. And again, first player of the game or the most dominant player of the game, the winner always gets to write history. And Apple, with how they run their i stores seems to be setting the the direction or paving the path for everybody else for at least what's successful so i don't think like they'll go back now and start charging for the service but i don't think it's unfounded mm-hmm. that something like that could happen and and you bring up uh, something that i forgot about the playstation plus membership if you stop paying your yearly fee for playstation plus all those free games that you got from your playstation plus membership vaporize gone yes Yes. Ooh. Yes. Ouch. That's good. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, and I was to lose that awesome plus sign next to your name <laughs> as well. And that, that's really the icing. I mean, what here. am I going to do without Fairy Ninjas, that mini game I got for free? <laughs> Or whatever it's called. You know, all these uh, silly little throwaway titles that they're, they're given to you. I love buying those. Uh, you know, like when you when a Final Fight came out and all, and mm-hmm. you could buy that online. I love being able to actually pick up games through that kind of service and I like being able to pick up games that wouldn't necessarily you'd worry about copies reaching retail basically sure. you know what I mean yeah uh, there's there's one in the city I'm in at the moment there's one copy of Blaze Blue that I've seen around you know right uh, I've seen I've seen three copies of No More Heroes 2 with an on- online distribution it's that does that, that, that goes away right, you know? right and um, we all know how hard it was to get your hands on Marvel vs. Capcom 2 for years but no problem now so right. I, I dig that a lot. You know? Sure, but I mean, these companies are making profits off of those sales, and I don't think yeah, there's a no, shortage. Well, the now they're making profit off of those sales. Like uh, what was Castlevania Rondo of Blood? Like all mm. those times that they were being moved on eBay for hundreds of dollars, like sure. extraordinary amounts of money. Yeah, the publisher wasn't seeing any of that money. All so right. now, when they re-release it on the virtual console at a reasonable price more units move because everyone's you know it's a great game one mm-hmm. and two there's there's this whole mystique about it but now they're getting a piece of the pie sure. so it's like a, it's a give and take i guess between the producers and the consumers well let's just hope nintendo doesn't follow because let's face it there's very little you could do online without already paying the price of a 135 digit encrypted code that you have to exchange a year in <laughs> for advance. every game a different code every game <laughs> yeah and the person already had to have your other code before this code will work and uh, some other things so wow nintendo was ahead of the curve though because prince just came out and said that the internet's you know done it's over it's it's Passe. Nintendo was on that boat uh, from the get-go. Sure, that's true. And, and you know, I thought we were really on to something with this one versus a hundred, where they yeah, had and they can they can that, huh? And they had in-game advertising, and I thought this is good. You know, this might help take some of the cost away from the consumer and and uh, you know actually be profitable for someone i guess it wasn't sure um well no i don't know maybe that was just um a prototype if you will mm-hmm. and maybe we'll see something like that down the road i mean you don't know jack's coming back and i think that'd oh. be a great application Jeez, uh, for some sort of wait. multiplayer game and in-game advertising and in-game av- advertising is fine as long as we're seeing some sort of reflection in the price yep. which never happens <laughs> yeah what are some of the other prices we pay for gaming? Socially, straight up depression. 
<laughs> you know, when you invest hours and hours of your time into a game and then it's completed and you're kind of left empty, that, well, uh, I mean, that's a price also, you pay. Well, how long is an average game now? 40 hours? You know, like your big AAA title? Yeah, sure. I mean, that is a good chunk of life, you know, mm. or week or year. That's, so, that's work but, uh, week right there for some. Yeah. Right. I mean, we are sacrificing our real lives, but then again, sometimes we kind of need to get away from them anyway. Sure. Well, how about the the guys in Korea dying in those internet cafes because they don't want to stop playing StarCraft? <laughs> or furthermore, uh, that, that couple, and I, I can't remember where they were from, I think it was America, that got arrested for neglecting their children because they were playing World of Warcraft. Well, see, they're idiots. Yes, uh, they are idiots, but... <laughs> That's they the don't price know how to pay as gamers because they get the news bits because they're they're a headline and then it demonizes the whole industry. <laughs> sure. All it takes is like one bad game that nobody plays, like Night Trap, and you got senators <laughs> okay. and congressmen all up in arms saying how uh, the youth of America is being corrupted and turned into killing machines and and uh, criminals, you know, and wanting to have pajama parties with their girlfriends all the time. Yeah, well, you know, it it, it can be addictive, no doubt about that. And I'm sure plenty of people have run up their credit cards like we started at the top of the show. Uh, I'm sure many of people have drank in milk and just had it all over their face and they just don't care. And And then they just punch the wall and just bloody it instead. I'm sure a lot of people have experienced that. But then let them. (laughs) It's fun to watch them. It is. You go on YouTube and watch it right now. Is it better than watching television? And I mean, that was the whole thing. Oh, you're rotting your mind watching TV. It's not equivalent, I guess. I don't know. I mean, like, all you got to do is have some common sense to avoid yeah. these uh, pitfalls of uh, unintentional suicide or whatever it was. Like, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's a pastime, not, mm. a, not a life, surely. Sure. But seriously, though. Killing yourself for what was it, StarCraft or some crap like that? Yes. Oh my goodness! I think he played for a week straight without eating or getting up or anything. And he's I been living swear. what, like, how many years? Like, how old uh, is this guy? Yeah, I don't remember. It was a news story a couple months ago. My goodness, he must have pooped himself. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let's go out on a poo. Why not? Why not? <laughs> All right, Council. Well, until we meet again uh, in a month. Hey, Kyle, I'll be seeing you soon. Road trip. Me, you, Stinky. Is TT coming? No, neither of those guys are coming because you know they're supposed to be having their midwife. Oh, they're expecting the unexpected. Gotcha. Who knows? They're they're insane. Most definitely. All right, fellas. Well, hey, thanks for an interesting discussion. I'm sure that there will be a lot of follow-up from our listeners on the We Talk Game social media networking site. Talk to you soon, guys. Bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Don't wash your iPod. Definitely need to get a second job just for gaming. That's how I was with toys, though. When I when I used to like toys... Who am I talking to? <laughs> you. The listener, I guess. Uh, when I used to like toys so much, I got a second job, part-time job. In a toy store, so now I get a part-time job. And again, well, I already did that. All right, Keith, let's open up. Let's wrap it up. Two pi R, get them on the line. Sherman Helmsley Oaks, California. Moving on up. Two pi R. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's $14.99 a month to join the DC Universe online. Oh, is that finally available? 
Uh, getting there. That was the big announcement at Comic-Con at the end of July here in beautiful San Diego, California, which is near Sherman Oaks, California, which we popped down to for a week just to see how all the geeks were doing. Right, right. Yeah, a lot of big video game. i shocked at the amount of video game coverage and excitement and buzz around this Comic-Con. I mean, it was almost as big as E3. The truth of the matter is, everyone has always said that the geeks would inherit the Earth, and Comic-Con is the living proof of that. It's almost gotten to the point that it's bigger than Sundance, it's bigger than Cannes. This is the place where all the movies, all the music, all the video games have to go to prove that they have cred. A lot of video games were on hand, and uh, you know there was a big announcement from Capcom about Street Fighter. DCU was obviously the one that everyone was the most interested in, as far as Comic-Con goes, because it's the ultimate marriage in a lot of ways of comic books and video games sure they're targeting uh end of this year as the release the one that was the big disappointment as far as that is concerned is the fact that consoles and computers are not going to be able to play cross-platform you're going to be limited to whatever machine it is that you're playing on uh but the fact that an MMO is going to be playable and playable well on a console has got a lot of people buzzing. So this is really going to be a title to watch, I think. Now, the big question is, will it only be available to the Plus members? If you're talking about any kind of an early beta, yeah, that's only going to be available to the Plus members. That's really the other big news this month. Mm. Sony has finally launched the the much-anticipated PlayStation Plus and I got to tell you, from the perspective of, of a consumer, so far I'm not impressed. You don't like um, your free mini games? Uh, <laughs> and your Sackboy Avatar? <laughs> 49 cents free. Yeah, for, no, not for so much. For $50 a year. Sorry, that's 1%. Yeah, you earned the back. The only thing. I got to tell you, the only thing that I've seen so far that really makes me excited for PlayStation Plus is the the announcement that there's going to be some kind of a deal between Sony and Hulu. Famously, Hulu has blocked access to any browser that's on a console because they're terrified. Obviously, consoles are attached to the TV in the living room as opposed to the crappy little monitor that's attached to your computer. Right. Uh, And so Hulu is afraid that if that is the screen that you can access Hulu with, it's going to be a real game changer as far as watching TV in your browser. There was an announcement sort of buried in a press release that there's going to be some kind of a deal between Sony and Hulu where you can actually watch Hulu on the PlayStation. The details have been maddeningly sparse. All that they've said is that it's going to be some kind of a subscription-based service. Mm -hmm. The assumption that everyone has made is that it's going to be somehow included as part of the PlayStation Plus membership. And if that's true, that's really about the only reason that I'd be interested in a PlayStation Plus, because let me tell you, if that happens... I no longer have any reason to pay 130 bucks a month for cable. All I need at that point is the basic cable with the cable modem internet, and that's all I got to pay for. Right, yeah. Well, I can tell you this. I downloaded the beta of it today, and uh, as soon as I launched the Hulu from my movie section of the cross browser, it asked you to log in with your standard $9.99 a month Hulu subscription. Interesting. Yeah. And I also know that Hulu is available for the iPad as well. And once again, you log in with your $9.90 month Hulu subscription. The big caveat to at least the iPad version, and I would have to assume this of the PlayStation 3 version, you get the commercials on top of what you're already paying for the Hulu subscription. 
So what you're saying basically is that we'd be paying a subscription fee to Sony and a subscription fee to Hulu and getting advertisements on top of everything? Well, that's what it looks like to me. And Uh, this is what they think is going to kill torrents. (laughs) That's what it looks like to me. I know that right now if you go into the PlayStation Store and you go into the Plus membership, you can download the, the Hulu interface. It's set up as sort of a beta, and then you are able to log in with your existing $9.99 a month Hulu subscription. All I know is about the iPad version is from the customer reviews, and they were complaining about the fact that they get commercials when they're already paying for the $10 subscription fee. Leave it to Hollywood to find a way to take what everybody wants and still turn it into something that nobody wants. <laughs> exactly. I was able to give you information. That's, that's a new one. Well, you know, if I can digress a little, this reminds me of one of the reasons why it took so long for people to pay legally to download music over the internet. Way the heck back in the uh, ancient dinosaur days of 2001, I was working for a website that was trying to do legal music downloads, and we had a deal with BMG whereby we could get customers to pay for these WMAM coded files. They were only 64K bit, and they were wrapped in this incredibly terrible DRM that only worked with two versions of Windows Media Player. They were already one back from what was the current version of WMA that Microsoft had released, and they were tied to the computer that did the downloading. So if you downloaded them at the office where you had a nice speedy connection and tried to take them home, they wouldn't even work. Gotcha. And then BMG was astounded that nobody wanted to pay them two fifty dollars a song to download this monstrosity. <laughs> to completely digress out of games, I was a part of a thing called Two Big Toes. And what that would do is you would buy the online songs, and then it would burn right to your PC. So you would just put in a disc, and then it would burn to a CD. You wouldn't even have an electronic version of it at all. It would stream it down and burn it to a disc, and then that's how you, you got your music online. Two Big Toes. And then you could just, of course, take that disc that you'd burned and put it into your computer and rip it, and nobody would ever have any way to stop you. Of course, but i got to say that for a long time, their Trapdoor and David J. of Bauhaus were two of the top-selling albums, so I'm a little bit proud of that. Take your fame where you can get it, I guess. Right on. So what else we got? This month, I've been playing a lot of Blur. Okay, great. You finally dove into that, eh? Cracked the cellophane pretty much the instant we stopped recording last month's episode, and it is every bit as much fun as I was hoping it would be. Certainly worth the 20 bucks I plunked down for it. Great. For all the trimmings and the trappings, it's basically just a kart racer. It looks really, really slick. There's a lot of attention paid to the graphics. There's a lot of attention paid to the physics. There's a lot of attention paid to the weapons. There's a lot of little interactions between the weapons and the cars and the controls, kinds of things that you don't really figure out until you spend hours and hours playing with it. There's a lot of different online modes, which seems awesome until you realize when you finally get on there that there's only two that anybody ever actually plays. (laughs) So unless you have a lot of friends that are really, really interested in some of the more obscure stuff, you're really only going to be playing those two. I see. But it's a lot of fun, and even though the coupon codes have long expired, if you can pick it up somewhere cheap, it's entirely worth your time and your money. I'm not entirely sure that I'd be happy paying 60 bucks for this title, gotcha. uh, but it's a lot of fun, and there is there seems to be a pretty active community for it. There's already people that have gotten up to level 60, which I guess is the highest that you can attain. So it's probably not going to be too much longer before it starts coming in in price, and will be absolutely worth picking up. My big question is, 
since so many people seem to have gotten all the way through it so quickly, how much of a lifespan is this thing going to have online? Mm-hmm. A good example of something that didn't really have much of a life online Think about MK versus DC, mm-hmm. uh, a game that you can now pick up for about 10 to 15 bucks used. You can sit there waiting online for hours, and you might have one or two people to play, you know, waiting online for hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised that, that they even still have a hub for that. Well, you know, I guess it doesn't really cost them anything to maintain it. You know, it's just an application sitting on some server somewhere. And as long as that machine is going to be turned on, it doesn't cost them anything to timeshare off a section and run the application th- uh-huh. that acts as the server. Uh-huh. But, you know, if this many people are going through the game this quickly, you have to wonder how much of a lifespan the online play is going to have. Sure. Particularly given that there's only two or three modes that have any kind of an online presence. Now, with that being said... Pretty much at all hours of the day, those two or three modes have 150 to 200 players at any given time. Hmm. So you're not going to have any shortage of competition, which is good because these races really want you know 10 to 15 players to really give good competition. Now, with that said, when you get 10 to 15 players in one of these races, they go fast and furious, and they're a heck of a lot of fun. So if you can find this title for a reasonable price, it's entirely worth picking up. Can't say enough good things about it. Right on. I tried to take advantage of that special, but I missed it by like a day. And I was hearing of people that got this title for $10 because some Best Buys around the country weren't taking their standard policy into effect where you can't double up on coupons and triple up and things like this. So people were actually getting it for $10. I guess once again that any retail chain is only as good as the memos it sends to its employees. Definitely, definitely. And I got to tell you what, I've always been an adversary of my local Best Buys. They've always been very bad to me. Uh, They opened up a new one in my area, and the customer service has been out of this world. So, um, I I gave them a chance when when they opened this new one. I always give any new store a chance, and I gave them a chance, and they've been more than helpful. Returns have been a breeze. Everything's been good. So, uh, just a little tidbit out there. You know, if you don't like a franchise, hey, You never know who's running the next one. That's really the terrible secret about these big franchise stores. The only thing that you can really count on to be consistent from location to location is the stock. You know, the staff is going to be entirely dependent on what the local talent pool is like, what the local management is like. Even though they all wear the same uniforms, the attitude of any given store is going to be a totally, you know, it's going to totally change from location to location. Sure, sure. So mileage is going to vary. You got to try each one, et cetera, et cetera. Right on, man. Speaking of franchises, a new independent buy-sell trade just opened up near my office, so I wandered by and managed to pick up a copy of Super Street Fighter 4 for about 10 bucks on a trade-in. And I just wanted to uh, note for anybody that has been sitting on the fence for this title because they got the original Street Fighter 4 the day that it came out, mm-hmm. one really nice thing is that any of the DLC that you might have bought for Street Fighter 4 will carry over to Super Street Fighter 4. Oh, great. And all of the characters from Street Fighter 4 start out unlocked in Super Street Fighter 4. So if there's one or two of those bosses that have just been persnickety for you because you can't finish the game 27 times <laughs> with the little luchador guy that fights with a frying pan because he's so weak and he keeps getting beat up by the last two impossible, unstoppable guys or whatever, if you really want to unlock everybody, just get a couple of games you don't play anymore, take it down to your local buy-sell trade, and pick up a copy of Super Street Fighter 4 for 10 bucks or whatever 
whatever it winds up costing you. You get to carry over everything. And the latest batch of DLC that just got released includes new alternate characters for everybody in addition to anything that you already bought for Street Fighter 4 carrying over to Super Street Fighter 4. So if you can get it used for a reasonable price, you can't go wrong. And I I really appreciate the sound effects of the frying pans when you mention (laughs) that luchador. That's perfect. It's hypersonic (laughs) cooking time! (laughs) That, my friend, is called Foley and Sweetening. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Hey, well, thank you for your input. It's always great to hear about the PS3, and we talked about PlayStation Plus extensively on the council, so I'm glad to hear your little take on it as well and your addition to it. And, uh, hey, we'll catch you next month on We Talk Games. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. And that, my friends, is it. Thank you, Kyle Von Kubik, Johnny Capcom, Ouch, 2PyR, our special guests, Edmund and Tommy from Team Meat, Stinky the Jerk, and T.T. Schmootkins. I am Wiggly from everyone at We Talk Games. We'll see you on the road. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye now.